0: BLOB TALK RADIO Radio. We're having a little trouble in the studio, so I'm just going to play a little music. If you're just tuning in with us, hang with us, and we'll be going
1: real soon. I,
2: I love the so way, and the way the sunlight plays upon her head. I, I hear the sound of a gentle word. On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air, I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitation I'm backing up good vibrations. My mind, anytime, 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 Oh please smile, I know she must be kind God, I see headlights I made it down the coast in 17 hours Picking me a bouquet of dogwood flowers And I'm hoping for rally. I can see my baby tonight
3: Welcome to BAM's Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry we're a few minutes late. We had the uh, obligatory technical difficulties that you get when you pay for the uh, premium package. But anyway, uh, we're here, and I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BAMAMag.com, joined by Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We will be joined in Hour 2 by Drew DeArmond of ESPN 977, The Zone in Huntsville. He has some type of sports banquet to attend tonight. Uh, But he will be with us for the second hour, and he has provided us, An interview to run in the first hour so he will be with us virtually uh, at the bottom of this hour. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. The first coach's poll is out. Uh, There's another football commitment albeit from the class of 2017. There's a basketball big man camp this weekend in Tuscaloosa with some fairly decent names slated to attend and uh, we're going to be joined uh, in about five minutes. By Luke Robinson of Alexander City, Alabama, and uh, a columnist for the Alex City Outlook and a host on the Sports Blitz radio show in that area of our great state, uh, we will hear uh, around the bottom of the hour, maybe 25 till, from Drew Darmas interview uh, that he did regarding basketball with uh, good old Garrett. Garrett is going to be hopefully a regular on this show. Just totally forgot his last name, but anyway, Garrett. And uh,
0: Garrett next Tucker. time.
3: Garrett Tucker, yep.
0: Which so you to pay me the big on. bucks for, Kerry.
3: <laughs> yep. We tried to get Garrett a couple times live, but this is the time of year that Garrett Tucker spends in the gyms watching players, which is his job, which is fine. But eventually we'll have him on here and solve the riddle of who would be the big man in the fall class for Alabama. That is a big riddle right now. Also, uh, softball released their schedule. Well, the SEC released the schedule, and therefore the Alabama softball team was able to released their whole schedule, and for the first time and maybe ever, they don't play Auburn during the regular season. Total befall uh, to me. I mean, I'm just mind-boggled by this wonderful decision by our conference that if Alabama is to play Auburn in softball, it will have to take place in the postseason. And it well could. But how dumb is it not to have them coming to Tuscaloosa this year as they normally would on the home-and-home rotation. But, Thomas, let's get back to the poll that came out this morning. The um, Amway Coaches Poll has been released by USA Today. No surprise at all, really, in the first two. Ohio State, number one, TCU, number two. They're probably the two biggest locks to make the 14 playoff of anybody in this poll. Alabama, the Crimson Tide, is number three, Baylor, number four, Oregon, number five. I won't go through the whole poll. Michigan State is six, Auburn at seven, Florida State eight, Georgia nine, and it's uh, Southern California, pardon me, it's 10, Notre Dame, 11, we'll go that far. What's your first take on this poll, Thomas?
0: I wasn't very surprised. I figured Alabama would be 3-4 in that range. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Even with the four young men being suspended by Ohio State, Ohio State is the clear-cut favorite to run the table. Not only do they have a ton of NFL-level talent, there is a certain lack of schedule fortitude for that team. I feel like if most SEC teams in the upper echelon had the Ohio State schedule, they would go undefeated. Obviously, being an SEC commentator, that's par for the course. But I think that one's obvious. TCU is going to be scary. TCU might end up being the best team in the country. They, but you could say they almost were at the end of last year because they absolutely dismantled Ole Miss in that game. But then Bama's there. Bama, we said it on this show, we'll say it again, plenty of warts. Biggest one probably being the quarterback. But still, when you recruit at the level Nick Saban has, pretty easy choice for third. I think if you look at the poll, the rest of it sets up for – the one traditional SEC is really, really good, and they'll have to cannibalize each other thing. And TCU Baylor is going to be a slobber knocker. But going back to Alabama in this SEC thing, Alabama's schedule, if anyone ever was curious about how tough it was, every question about their schedule got answered in terms of difficulty because they're going to face something like, help me out, Kerry.
3: Tell seven me this where in here, Tom. Go ahead. Seven, seven, seven of the top 27 are from the SEC West. When you take into account the also-receiving vote team, 26 is Mississippi State, 27 is A&M, 7 of the top 27 are in our division. That is unreal.
0: Yeah, and it really, you know, this sounds terrible, but it kind of it dovetails into how, from, how is somebody from the West, whether it be Alabama, Auburn, LSU, or any of them, How are they going to get to the SEC championship game with only one loss? I I think it's just silly amounts of difficult this year.
3: Let me go through the rest of the poll because we do have a caller pretty soon coming in. Sure. I told everybody that Notre Dame was number 11. 12 was Clemson, 13 LSU, 14 UCLA, 15 Ole Miss, 16 Arizona State, 17 Georgia Tech, 18 Bama's opening opponent Wisconsin. So it's not just the SEC West, folks. 18 Wisconsin. 19, Oklahoma, 20, Arkansas, 21, Stanford, 22, Arizona, 23, Missouri, another SEC team, 24, Boise State, 25, the Tennessee Vols, Alabama plays, I think Thomas is right, seven of the top 25, but nine of the top 27. That is a murderer's role, bro.
0: You're absolutely right, and it really – it's not – it, it, again, it justifies some of the things you said on BAMs and on my other show, Too Deep Zone. It's not that Alabama is a bad team. It's absolutely not the case. It's that it's unrealistic to think that young men will get up to play nine out of fourteen weeks and they're going to have to be up to play these games. Now, obviously, there will there is some inflation in the SEC. It happens that SEC every year comes out like gangbusters in the polls, and then it kind of settles and regresses to a mean, Because everybody has to beat each other up, but right now, right as the uh, as I look at it, damn, that that's all I gotta say. Just yeah,
3: and that's D A U, no
0: D A Y U M. Yeah, damn, damn.
3: I mean, you know what? I've had people give me hell about you know the Charleston Southern type games on the schedule, and I'm like, look, you know, you play nine of the top twenty-seven among your twelve, and don't you schedule two or three W's in there? Back to man, and, and it's unbelievable, Thomas. It's unbelievable.
0: Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And Carrie, I meant to say, I'm sorry. And I, I, in fact,
3: I, it's 10 of the top 27. I forgot Georgia. Yeah, it's 10 of the top 27. Two Patsies and 10 of your 12 are in the top 27.
0: Absolutely. And Carrie, I, I, let me just do a general announcement our general guest call in line, 714 510 3707, is down. For some reason, it's beyond my control. That's why we had to start a little bit later. The number that I've got working is 877 763 6728. That's the only number I've got working right now. So if you want to call in, it's a little different this week. Say that
3: again. Absolutely. It's 877
0: 763 6728. We are still sponsored by Big Heads barbecue just a different number tonight. You want to tell us a little bit about Big Heads there, Carrie?
3: Yeah, they got good food.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll have some of it at our uh, at our BAMS tent throughout the year.
3: Yeah, you know, my favorite thing at Big Heads Barbecue, and you can check them out on the Internet at bigheadsbbq.net and uh, on Twitter at Big Heads BBQ. Chuck Peak is the owner, and he's been a gracious sponsor of, of our tent and of our radio uh, call-in line for a number of years. And You know, there's a lot of great choices. Pork is one, chicken is another, uh, brisket is one, and then my favorite, the triple threat, which is a piece of pork with uh, um, with bacon wrapping around it and um, sausage in the middle. And then you drizzle that with his sauce. He says you shouldn't put sauce on the triple threat. I disagree. Um, but anyway, we do have a call coming in now on that Big Heads Barbecue hotline. And it's a longtime friend and a friend of this show uh and a, and a fellow journalist uh just like the two of us and uh, he is a part-time journalist but he does a darn good job of it i want to go ahead and bring in my friend luke robinson from the Alex city outlook and the sports blitz in alexander city luke how you doing tonight brother good guys how's it going great we had a few technical difficulties to start the show but that's just the nature of internet radio sometimes we got everything worked out now except for our normal phone number but uh Luke, what we were talking about when you came on, and I want to get your take on it too, is the uh, USA Today Amway coaches poll that came out uh, today and the murderer's row that has our Crimson Tide playing 10 of the first 27 teams listed.
4: Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting, but I'm also going to be honest and say they certainly won't end up that way. I think by the time we play some of those, they won't be ranked. you look at somebody like Tennessee, for instance, they certainly have a pretty tough start opening up against Oklahoma at home and in their second game. So they may not even be ranked by the time Alabama gets to them. I know a lot of people are high on the volunteers. I'm not necessarily. And some of these other teams like Arkansas, I mean, they could really go either way. I think there are a lot of them that are shaky, that play each other. So by the time they get to us, they probably won't be ranked. But for the moment, I think some of them are living off the SEC reputation as much as anything and getting the benefit of the doubt. But there's no denying that Frankly, I don't know that I've ever seen a team have to play the number of ranked teams to start a season that Alabama has. It's it's going to be a very difficult schedule. There's no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I know you've told me this many times before, but you reside in Alex City, which is uh, kind of the heart of War Eagle country. And I'm just wondering, have you heard anything today from, from that side of the state regarding them being number seven?
4: Not really. I, I Honestly, I think everybody thought they would be in that area. Uh, if you ever read Saturday Down South, I think they actually predicted where the coaches would have every – that's where we are now. We're predicting where other people will predict the polls to be. But Saturday Down South actually had their predictions. They predicted Alabama to be two, and I think they predicted Auburn to be nine. So, frankly – most of Auburn people I've talked to have actually been happy with the coaches' poll so far because Alabama's one slot lower, they are two slots higher.
3: Yeah, and, 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 I'll, and I'll give you that much. But I still think – look, i got respect for Will Muschamp, Luke. I do. But I saw what Lane Kiffin did to him last year and Bryant Denny, as did you, as did Thomas, with better players than he's going to have at Auburn this year. So I, I'm not really – you know, I think Auburn is one of those teams that isn't going to be ranked as highly when Alabama plays them. I'm not saying they won't still be in the top 25, but I will go out on a limb, and it's, and it's a thick limb, and say, in my opinion, they won't be in the top 10 when Alabama plays them.
4: Well, the, the Alabama fan in me totally agrees with you, and I could make a, a thousand reasons why Auburn won't be ranked all that highly. I can also go the other way with this, and I think this is me – Uh, once bitten, twice shy with the Auburn Tigers. I've just seen it too many times where people discount them and they turn around and they end up having one of those quote-unquote magical seasons. So, they look, here's the thing. It all hinges on Jeremy Johnson. For for Auburn, I think more more so than Alabama usually. It hinges on the quarterback. Alabama has proven through the years that if we just get moderate to slightly above-average quarterback play, we're probably going to be pretty solid. We just don't – we can't have a quarterback throw pick sixes, et cetera. Auburn needs good quarterbacks to to make hay. You look at uh, Cam Newton, obviously. You look at Jason Campbell back in four or, or Nick Marshall, whatever you want to say about any of those guys. I mean, they had pretty incredible seasons in those, in their respective years where they were competing for championships. Meanwhile, you look at somebody like McElroy and and God bless him, you – He had a very nice SEC title game, kind of outshone Tim Tebow in 2009. But I wouldn't say any of our quarterbacks, not including A.J. McCarron, was really All-American worthy. I mean, I even would admit very quickly that McCarron finishing as high as he did in the Heisman was more of a lifetime achievement award than it was what an incredible season by a quarterback. So it's all going to depend on Jeremy Johnson. Now, every Auburn fan I know feels like they upgraded to a man. And the only thing I have to say about that is if that's the case, why in the hell was Nick Marshall playing last year? Because there were plenty of times where he made bad throws. There were plenty of times in the Iron Bowl he made bad throws. I mean, why not give Jeremy Johnson a chance if if it's not necessarily working out? Um, So I I think they're underselling Nick Marshall and overselling Jeremy Johnson but I don't think they're overselling him as much as Alabama fans wish they were because I certainly saw Jeremy Johnson play a lot in high school. I saw him go to Auburn as a sophomore with Carver and just destroy that Auburn team in the playoffs. I've, I've got a lot of faith in the guy as far as a as, as just a football fan goes. I hope to have no faith in him as an Alabama fan, but um, I don't think Duke Williams is Amari Cooper like a lot of them to believe and I'm not so sure the running game is going to be as solid as it was um and and I'm there's some certainly some questions along the offensive line you got some guys coming back off injury like Alex Pazan and Sean Coleman you don't really know what you're going to get out of him you lose your starting center that there's a lot to be said about that uh defensively they, they're going to have a good team uh, moder- better than last year and I think Will Muschamp does nothing but help um but there's still a lot of questions there, and, and they, they love to hang their hat on Jay Jones. But, again, I don't know. I'm not totally sold by that. Byron Cowart coming in is going to help. But, um, gosh, I'm so on the fence, and I'm all over the place. I know I sound like I'm all over the place because I am all over the place about Auburn. I mean, I could easily make an argument for their being in the playoffs and I could easily make an argument that they're going to be fighting for a bull berth in the Music City. So it's they're they're the most – enigmatic team in the SEC this year, if you ask me, over Tennessee, over Arkansas, over all these teams that people are having a hard time figuring out. I think I have a good grasp on those teams. It's Auburn that I can't get my hands around.
3: No, it's, it's going to be a matter of where they get those bounces and those calls. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> it could go a lot of different ways. You're right. Uh, you're, you're right. But uh, this is not an Auburn show. I was just wanting to get your take because of the part of the state you live in. And we're going to switch over to Alabama now. And uh, be- because you talk to Jimmy Stein a lot more than I do, my-, my conversations are basically either on here or on Twitter with him. I wanted to know if anything has come up on the podcast that you guys do, which is called Talking Tuscaloosa. If anybody hasn't heard it, you need to check it out uh, Talking Tuscaloosa with Luke and Jimmy. Uh, has anything come up from Jimmy on that podcast or just? you know, via text or cell phone calls with you regarding things that he may be hearing about off-season workouts? Well, we certainly
4: talk a little bit about what kind of the things we hear. We may hear from a guy who knows a guy sometimes. Um, The things that we've been hearing the the most positive about are about Damian Harris and about Calvin Ridley. I think those two, I'm looking forward to seeing those two play, and I think they'll play early and often against Wisconsin. And I'll tell
2: you,
4: they're t- I'm hearing the same things about Jacob Coker that I've seen is that he might throw a beautiful 50-yard spiral one play and the next play is a pick six where the ball was nowhere near his intended receiver. So I, I, that's the one thing that I think scares most of it. In fact, and I hate to say it this way, um, it sounds like I'm just throwing in the towel on him, but I I'm, I'm personally want to see somebody else take control of that quarterback position I think we kind of know what Jake Coker is going to be I hope to goodness if he starts he surprises me proves me wrong and I will be glad to throw my hand up and say I had no idea what I was talking about but I every time I've seen him play it is feast or famine and that goes back to what I said earlier in this conversation that Alabama did not need a quarterback like that I mean you don't have to be a superstar just don't hurt the defense any more than you have to. And uh, if you go back, go back, for instance, to the Iron Bowl last year, where you know we were really in trouble because of the bad things Blake Sims was doing to begin with. Now, he ended up no making doubt. up for some things later on, but the defense also stepped up and stopped Auburn a couple of times later on in the game. Um, so, again, I, the, those are the things that we hear the most about. And I always discount – oh, my gosh, this guy in skeleton drills has been unstoppable. Well, there are a lot of guys who are unstoppable in skeleton drills, quite frankly. So I'm looking forward to seeing some actual practice, some pads being put on. I'd love to go to a scrimmage before the season starts. I don't know if I'll get to go see one, but I'm hoping I can. And that's when I really start to make judgments about some of these guys.
3: That's fair. My my only two practices I'll be able to see will be Fan Day, which, by the way, if any of the listeners haven't heard, Fan day and the open practice will be the afternoon of the 9th, that's a a week from this Sunday, and then uh, Jimmy and myself and Drew and a few others will be at a scrimmage uh, the 22nd, so uh, that's Saturday as well. So that's the only two that I'm going to see before the season starts, and I hope to be able to form a judgment by then. We have heard, just to pass this along, that Coker has had some good moments in the last three or four weeks from our pal Redfish. has some uh, very good sources on the, uh, close to the team. So we've heard that, that Coker has stepped up a little bit in skeleton drills. I know it's not pads. I know it's not 11-on-11. 11 11, but we've heard some good things. And apparently, well, Jimmy was at least dropping hints that maybe he heard something about Cornwell. I don't know. My thing is this, Luke. Uh, the, the quarterback, in my opinion, in 2016 is going to be Blake Barnett. So what you're looking for this year is a bridge to him. And, and Saban's history says if he can do it, he's going to start a senior. Now, I know Jake Coker could be John David Phillips in 1998, start three games and get benched the rest of the year. I know that could happen. But I look back at something that Rodney Orr of Tyler Insider has reminded us of both in print and on the show. If you, can, if you can do with Jonathan Crompton in 2009 what Lane Kiffin did, then I have to think he can get Jake Coker through this fifth year and help Alabama win some big games. That's just my opinion, though. The next thing I wanted to ask you about, Luke, because you, you did make some good points, uh, what and I wanted to tell you that I've heard the same thing when I talked to Reggie Ragland at Media Day. He mentioned Damian Harris. He mentioned Ridley. He mentioned Ronnie Harrison. Uh, he mentioned Kendall Sheffield and Minka Fitzpatrick. And then uh, Ryan Kelly mentioned Brandon Kennedy, which uh, leads me to a question that I believe Thomas has for you.
0: Yeah, Luke, uh, we've done a. You did a really good job breaking down some of the things you've seen on offense. But what are you hearing? What do you think about? what the offensive line going to – what's it going to
4: coalesce to be? Well, I'm interested to see that too. Um, I, I don't know yet. I think – honestly, I didn't think the chemistry ever really developed. So I think that's as important as size, as, as strength, and all that with an offensive line is you just got to have chemistry. You got to know when you got to help somebody out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm really anxious – for cam Robinson to step up and i think even though as good as he was last year i think that he can take his game to another level i saw where it has been tweeted out by various nfl folks that that you know everybody's looking for who's going to be the number one pick in 2017
2: 2018
4: somebody tweeted out cam Robinson should be the number one pick in 2017 and i think he's going to start playing like that and man, he's going to earn his keep he's going to be playing against some monsters this year but um I mean, Ryan Kelly is going to be huge, obviously. Uh, there's there's some question marks in there. I want to see some of these other guys like um, J.C. – I never can say it right – Hassenauer. You guys may know better Hassan hour, but Yeah, hour. I, I mean, it's just one of those tongue twisters for me. But uh, I certainly hope that – I would love to see somebody like that come around. Why is it that uh, we can go to Minnesota or we can go to Iowa and get some of these guys? I want them to play like Iowa and Minnesota offensive lines because – those teams, Iowa and Minnesota and the Big Ten teams, they sometimes don't have the best records because they don't get the skill guys. We get all the skill guys in the South. But they have lines. And you, when you watch an NFL game, it seems like every other one is somebody from the Big Ten. Well, we went into Big Ten country, and we got some of these guys. I want them to play like that. For instance, I know this is completely off topic. I think the, uh, the, there's a kid down at Spanish Fort uh, Johnson. It's Thomas Johnson his brother a Tyler Johnson and he's only a sophomore. I think his family's from Iowa or something and Jimmy talks about him all the time that he plays like a, one of those Iowa linebackers that you know maybe not the fastest, maybe not the strongest, but he just all he does is make every tackle and he, when he hits you you're going down. That's just the way it is. And I think that's that's what I think of when they think of these offensive line guys and Alabama's got several of them from that area of the country. I want to see some of them really step up and so I'm going to be interested to watch that.
0: Absolutely, and along the offensive line thrust, a lot of the guys you're, you're mentioning Big Ten, you're mentioning you know, some of the guys that we're bringing in. Do you think the offense itself is going to slow down and try and let those guys turn into, turn into maulers? Uh, you know, what's your take on that in terms of overall offensive presence?
4: Well, it depends on who the quarterback is going to be. I, I'm going to tell you, here's the one thing that worries me about Jake Cooker more than anything. Okay? I've never seen a good short to intermediate pass from him. Now, I haven't watched every throw he's ever thrown, but I don't I can't recall one and say that was that was a smart dump off pass or that was a nice ten yard out. The the good passes I've seen him throw are deep balls. And then I've seen him throw some mistakes at practically every, every level of, of the field. So if we're I don't that's what worries me about him. I don't want to just be a, a run the ball or deep ball team. I don't want to do that. But if we have him, I think we're going to have to have some ballers. You're going to have to have some guys that can really run and, and make everybody come up to stop the run so we can throw it deep. But if you have somebody else back there, and I don't know who that would be because I haven't seen enough of them, and I certainly haven't seen them enough in live action to make the determination, but I'd rather have a quarterback that can just give me intermediate to short passes with the occasional once or twice a game deep ball. Um, I'd be fine with that. And I think that's what's going to determine what we're going to need from our offensive line as much as anything. I truly want to get back to having maulers. I want to get back to the day where it's fourth and one and the defense already has this look on their face like, oh, doggone it, they're going to go for it and get it, and we can't do a damn thing about it. Instead, uh, for the really the past couple of years, at least since the Auburn Iron Bowl in 2013, it feels like every time we have fourth and one, we just don't get it. Now, I know that's not true. I know we've converted some fourth down – but it just feels that way. And there used to be a time when that wasn't the way it was. In fact, we didn't get a lot of fourth and ones because if we had third and four, we still ran it and we still scored.
3: All right. Well, Luke, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have a life to live outside of talk radio. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted you to call tonight was uh, that you took the time to write a column uh, concerning some out-of-conference matchups that you'd like to see throughout america i don't think it was limited to just the south so go ahead and, and and share with your listeners uh some of those matchups and then i want to give you mine at the very end I that you go
4: yeah it, it was it's something i always think about i mean i'm one of those guys jerry seinfeld had a bit and i don't know if you guys ever saw it at the beginning of one of his episodes on seinfeld where he said men don't care what's that's why men change the channel all the time because we don't care what's on TV. We care what else is on TV. And that's how I am about football sometimes. I don't care about who we're playing next week. I care about who we're playing next year because I think the the matchups are just so intriguing to me. And one thing I've always wanted Alabama to do since we started these neutral site games is to play Notre Dame in New Orleans. We have a history there, obviously. We've played them there before um, in some pretty tight ball games. Uh, they have a incredible Catholic contingent down there, so it won't be just this massive Alabama uh, home field advantage. And I just think that game makes a lot of sense to me. Or, you know, maybe play Texas there, so maybe a little bit of a halfway point for both schools, a little bit longer for Texas, but, but still. I think Notre Dame, Alabama, and in, in, um, New Orleans would be absolutely fantastic. But some other games I thought about, okay, well, let's expand. I think LSU against Ohio State, say somewhere like, Los Angeles. I mean, I I tried to do all these things neutral site. If you remember, Carrie, I'm sure you remember, I think like 86 or 88, somewhere in there, LSU and and Ohio State actually did a home-and-home. And And, um, I think in in Baton Rouge, it ended up a tie. But uh, I would love to see those two teams play because they both have so many NFL-style players. Um, I said Georgia and USC because, really, they have as many NFL players as anybody out there. And Georgia and USC have been kind of disappointments over the last few years. Despite the talent they've had, and I feel like uh, that would be an interesting game. A&M in Texas, I said, make them play in El Paso as punishment for doing away with the rivalry to begin with. Make them both go somewhere they don't necessarily want to be. Make them play in the Sun Bowl, and, and that's sort of their punishment. Um, I said Florida and Washington, really, because Florida, is they don't really have uh, uh, somebody outside. Because you know what? There's an interesting stat out there about how many times Florida's actually left the state of Florida for a non-conference game to play somebody, and it is incredibly rare. They do they do play Michigan, I think, in, in uh, Dallas in two years, but they never leave the state of Florida to play a non-conference game. So I'd love to see Florida and Washington play in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And if you've ever listened to Bill King's show, he always talks about the, the middle of America. Um, I said Ole Miss and Penn State, two teams that have been ravaged by the NCAA over the last – decade or 15 years, and both of them have a lot of talent. James Franklin and and Hugh Freeze would make that interesting. Arkansas-Baylor, that may be the most exciting matchup that I came up with. You think about two contrasting styles of play, um, I don't care where they play it. Just go play it, maybe in Memphis or something. Um, And I said Auburn and Michigan State, and I know everybody's thinking, well, you put the two little sisters together, but really, that's two contrasting styles, too. You've got a team that's up-tempo and always moving against Maybe outside of Alabama, the team that, that is, is known for the best defense in the country. So I think that would be an interesting matchup. And finally, I think I said Tennessee and Michigan, two fallen programs that are really trying to get back a, a, into the swing of things and back into the national limelight. Uh, they could play at Wrigley Field, uh, a place known for Heartbreak Hotel. And I think that that would be an interesting matchup as well. I mean, there were a few others out there, Vanity and Wake Forest, I think I said, because, and they could play it on MSNBC Network because everybody's already not watching it. Um, just a lot of things like that. But, man, I would love there, – there's these games, these neutral site games that everybody appears to be cussing a lot. Um, I love them. I think it gives us all a chance to go somewhere and play uh, somebody at, at a neutral setting so there's really no bias. I, I'm all for it. I think that these games in Dallas have been tremendous for Alabama. Uh, you look at – ever since we've started doing this in 2008, I mean, how much has it increased our brand? And I'm married to somebody now that's in public relations, and I've really learned the importance of that. That Clemson game in 2008 absolutely propelled this team to where they are now. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily the only thing, but it was something that put us in the national spotlight again. And if we had just played that game in Bryant-Denny against Clemson and beaten them, I don't think it would have had the same effect. Doing it on a neutral site was monstrous, in my opinion. Um, And then, of course, we've got USC coming up next year after Wisconsin this year, and then Florida State. And then we've got more games. We're going to play another one, I think, in Dallas in 2020. We're just being really, really smart about this. And I'll tell you something. They're taking this thing worldwide. I know Baylor, and I think Baylor is playing Cal in Australia next year. And that may be a little bit too far, but I understand what they're doing. Those two teams that have to reach out and and try to draw interest in with a catch, and I think that that's probably a good move by them.
3: I agree with a lot of that. Now, now Vandy and Wake just finished the series not, not long ago, but, but it, and I, and I like the Alabama Notre Dame idea, but I have to tell you, uh, Luke, just to tell you how long ago this was, me and a buddy of mine went on a Friday night to watch McAdory uh, play against Briarwood because McAdory had Cadell and Briarwood had the Castile boys. We left yep. that game and we drove all night to South Bend. Because we wanted to experience, Alabama was off that weekend, and we wanted to experience a Notre Dame home game. They were playing Pitt, which ironically had Brandon Myrie, so we talked to him. But uh, I think Alabama needs to do a home-and-home with Notre Dame, and here's why. I think every Alabama fan needs to experience one Saturday in South Bend, and I think every Notre Dame fan needs to experience one Saturday in Tuscaloosa because, to me, for my money, those are the two most traditional teams. I know there's a lot of people that claim a lot of stuff, but to me, those are your big two cats. And I like the neutral site games pretty good. If they're drivable for me, Atlanta, New Orleans, whatever, I'm not driving to Dallas. I'm sorry. I just think that deep for me. But I appreciate those that do. I really think, Luke, that Alabama needs – Every Alabama fan that goes to games needs to experience one game in South Bend, let it be against Alabama, and vice versa for Notre Dame. Other than that, great list. I know you put a lot of thought into that. And um, we really appreciate you taking time to call in to us tonight, and we hope you'll do that again in the future.
4: Yeah, I certainly will. And, and just really quickly, obviously, Kerry, you know I'm from Alexander City. Sean Jennings just committed uh, from Dadeville, which is literally right up the road from me. And – Look, he's a three-star guy. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think he'll get bumped up to a four-star or anything like that. And I know there are a lot of stargazers out there, and I, I'm right there with you usually. But I stood next to Sean Jennings the other day. I had the chance to, oper- to interview him about a week and a half ago, and he came up next to me, and I'll be honest with you, he's got the body of a linebacker, and his coach tells me that he's still got all the quickness that you want out of somebody that plays the defensive backfield. I know, honestly – I think Sean Jennings' commitment got as little fanfare of any commitment Alabama's gotten since Saban's been there practically. And I'm going to tell every Alabama fan out there that I think they're going to be very pleasantly surprised with this kid. He's he's cut up. He's strong. He's nice. When Anthony committed last year, he came on our show, and his family was there. They're just all really, really good people. These are the kind of guys that are glues to – four years at Alabama, maybe five years if he takes a shirt. So I feel like everybody's going to be very pleasantly surprised with this kid. And, and I just want to put some people at ease because I know whenever you hear three-star and associate with Alabama right now, people just sort of yawn a little bit. And it's not really fair in this case.
3: I saw him play last year, and uh, I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, I do agree that he's probably going to end up as a linebacker. But uh, he's certainly athletic. He'll hit you. He's smart. Uh, I, I think it's a good take. I don't have any problem with it. Uh, so, yeah, those are some very good points. And, again, Luke, uh, we do want to thank you for calling in. We're going to let you go now. But uh, that's Luke Robinson from the Al City Outlook and from the, uh, the Sports Blitz in Alexander City with some great insight there on, on football at uh, two different levels, as it turned out. Uh, what we're going to do now, though, uh, is we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to move over to basketball and specifically basketball recruiting. Because uh, Garrett Tucker, who runs a recruiting service, a young man from Huntsville, had a visit with Drew DeArmond on 97.7 Zone. actually earlier this week. And even though Drew is not with us live and probably won't be for another hour or so, we are going to go ahead and run that interview now because I think you guys will find it interesting. So here's Drew DeArmond and Garrett Tucker talking hoops recruiting.
5: Garrett Tucker of Hoop Scene and G. Tucker Hoops. How are you doing, Garrett?
1: Oh, doing pretty well, Drew. How about
3: yourself?
5: Doing well, and I know you've been one of the busiest men in the state of Alabama this month for basketball recruiting is the most important one as far as evaluating, and I know this is the last week uh, basically for that that to go down, and uh, you've been in the gym pretty much non-stop all the time, and uh, I know uh, one a uh, kid that came to your uh, your, your camp and uh, really was a standout. We want to start it off with him. I know this is Crimson Tide Tuesday, but uh, a young man from Woodlawn uh, really performed well and now will join a the only team in the state right now that's been to the NCAA tournament uh, in the, in, the, in, the, in the last uh, few seasons and of course they, they had a huge win over uh, the last game in Fred Hoyberg's career at Iowa State at UAB and just talk about that young man.
1: Yeah, um JV and Williams um you know he he's actually my number 2 uh, prospect in uh, the Rising senior Class 2016. Um yeah, he he committed to UAB late last night and um so as many everybody knows, you know that's the two top guys um in the state right there off the board with Josh Langford and JV and now. But yeah, um you know, Drew. One of my, and you can relate to this too. I mean, you know, doing what I do, it's fun to watch for Josh Langford and you know, the got the top dogs that everybody knows about. But um, you know, it's it's really fun to watch. You know, these kids that come out of nowhere that nobody knows anything about. Um, you know, last February, um, Javian. You know, he really you um, had a, had a big. A big run to get his uh, get his woodlawn team to the final four in the right. uh, state state playoffs and everything, and really before then nobody really knew anything about him um, before you know that little run and still in recruiting circles he was still an, an unknown kid and then um, you know I had my um, first uh, Alabama Elite preview for some of the top uh, top high school kids in the state or whatever in um, the first weekend in March, and he came, and he was, um, you know, the top guy there. There was some really talented players there, but he really stood out, and then, um, you know, just he had a big spring, and this is a kid, you know, that, you know, can score 25 a game, in a, and he can do it in a hurry, too, so it is fun to see a kid, you know, that nobody knows anything about to, so, you know, have a, explode onto the recruiting scene and everything, and um, as you said, UAB's been very successful lately, and um, with this, you know it's only going to get better You know, keeping another one of the top prospects in the state home.
5: Well, no doubt, and uh, we obviously saw what William Lee did for them last year. He basically just uh, gave everyone a, another uh, shot of his cl- – or a glimpse of his clutch play, uh, basically just reenacting what he did to – take uh dallas county to the 4a state championship well you icing that game uh on offense and defense on both ends of the court against iowa state he's an in-state kid obviously and that's the key so far for jared Haas, uh garrett he's done a and that's what avery johnson and bruce pearl are trying to do he's done a good job of of building his program with in-state players
1: Right, yeah, and, um, you know, I don't see it stopping anytime soon for either three of those, uh, you know, coaches, and same goes for Sanford and, um, you know, South Alabama. They're all, um, you know, trying to keep these in-state guys at home, and this is, as I've, you know, stressed time and time again, this is a really a really good time for Alabama basketball and all. So, you know, it's it's, been, it's fun, um, especially uh, it's going to be, you know, JV's excited, um, you know, a kid from right there in Birmingham, um, it's going to get a free education and get to stay close to home and play at UAB is, you know, family can come watch every home game and all that. So, um, you know, it's, that's definitely fun. You know, it's not nice that, um, you know, these pop kids are you know, staying at home is it's different and, uh, it's a good thing.
5: No doubt about yeah. it. And, and now with football coming back in 2017, there should be some stability there and they should be able to stay in Conference
1: USA, uh, which should help. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, there was a lot of people, you know, worried about how that was going to affect the basketball program. But, um, you know, no, nothing, nothing, no signs of, you know, weakening yet, and that that doesn't bode well for a lot of these other conference USA teams because uh, UAB, you know, they're definitely on the rise. And, you know, from last year and bringing all of their um, top players back and pretty much the whole roster, you know, there's big expectations. So um, it's going to be fun to see how UAB. Um, you know, does here this not only this year but next year as well as they, you know, really start to get things rolling and everything. Uh,
5: no, no question about that. And, and now I want to shift gears and talk about Avery Johnson and uh, the Crimson Tide. Uh, they've been very busy on the trail, uh, you know, been trying to keep up. They've been going coast to coast uh, to AAU events. Uh, and obviously uh, uh, there's there was a, been a positive report in the last week or so, and everyone knew they were watching Terrence Ferguson and that they were getting squarely in the mix when he took the job, but it looks like uh, they, you know, there has been a report that Alabama leads. Not so, you know, we'll see, uh, but what are you hearing with Alabama and Ferguson? Uh, it's huge just that it looks like they're going to be on the very, very short list for uh, one of the top 20 players in the country.
1: Right, yeah, and you know, I saw Terrence Ferguson play uh, two weeks ago in Atlanta, Atlanta at the Under Armour uh, Finals, Um, and I mean, it's unbelievable to watch this kid. Um, he's he's one of my favorite kids to watch in the country. Uh, I know he he, he'll be a top ten kid when it's all said and done, but um, you know, I honestly I can really see this kid in a few years being a star at the NBA level. Um, he just. He just knows how to shoot and score, and it's not like, you know, he can only shoot, you know, off the catch and space in the basket and everything. I mean, this guy, he knows how to come off screens and use screens, and just he knows how to score. And, you know, watching him, it, it, it's just unbelievable. It's hard to describe, you know, that a kid this talented. Um, but, yeah, you know, Alabama, you know, Avery Johnson has made it clear that, you know, Ferguson is his guy, and they were – they rolled around pretty deep to watch Terrence, um, you know, pretty good bet. I'm pretty sure that Avery Johnson and, you know, plus a couple of assistants for at every game of his in Atlanta, as well as in um, Las Vegas uh, this past weekend or week. So, I mean, they're definitely putting the, putting the full-court uh, press on him, and it's going to be fun, and honestly – um you know even if Alabama just gets a visit from a guy a top 10 kid you know that's saying something that you know Avery Johnson really gets things going in the right direction um you know I think Kansas is going to be really hard hard to beat Um, right you know Kansas Kansas kind of it speaks for itself um who wouldn't want to go to Kansas but um you know like I said I mean Avery has definitely put Alabama in there um you know between kansas and alabama i think baylor may have a little bit to say but those three schools may be the three that you know really you know that's who it's going to come down to but um you know, like i said kansas has really put um uh, put themselves in a good position and then uh, avery johnson doing his best too they've definitely put in the time and work
5: yeah they really have and and i and talk a little bit about you know, you know you've you've seen the alabama staff around i know you've you've spoken with them but uh what what is your impression so far? Obviously, you've 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 met Avery Johnson. You've, you know Antoine Pettway well. He's a veteran on the Alabama staff. What are your first impressions of Scott Pospickle as far as what he's going to bring to the table?
1: Yeah, I actually um, I, I I've known Scott for you know a few years, but um, this is my first time to you know see him um, on the recruiting trail as a as a, coach, right. as a college coach, and um, you know. From everything you know we i had a great conversation with him and petway um in atlanta a few weeks ago and um you know they're definitely you know they're rare they're ready to go um one thing um that um that scott said that really stuck with me that was pretty funny he said he's enjoying tuscaloosa um because he doesn't have to pay any toll um for his family or everything and he said he said he said i was paying a fortune paying for toll taxes or whatever so um you know, it's nice not to have any of those in Tuscaloosa. And I said, yeah, you're probably not going to have to worry about that much in Tuscaloosa. But he's, um, you know, he's definitely enjoying the atmosphere and all and ready for football season. But back to what you were saying and everything, uh, I mean, they're definitely, you know, they're stressing on recruiting and everything. And I had, you know, a lot of, you know, really good conversation with both of them. Um, you know, they're they're going to try and, you know, play the same upbeat uh, offense and everything and kind of the same way they played uh, on um, under Anthony Grant and everything. But, um, you know, with, of course, a, little, a couple of different little twists and all. But um, the recruiting thing is definitely going to be different, um, as we can already see. You know, I don't think um, Anthony Grant would go after a top-ten kid from Texas. You know, I mean, that that's something that, you know, is nice to see. And, um, you know, from what Petway says, um, that you know, the incoming freshmen are looking really good right now. Um, he, he was really excited about um, um, Brandon Austin, the kid from Carver Montgomery, is shooting guard. Um, you know, he's kind of the forgotten one with Dazon Ingram and Kobe Eubanks. But he says that, you know, Brandon may be the top freshman right now with the way he's playing. He can shoot it, um, you know, great athleticism. and can get to the rim. So, um, you know, they're definitely excited about what these, this first group of freshmen can bring in their, um, in their first seasons at Alabama and everything.
5: Well, and we're going to speak later with uh, Richard uh, Richard Dorsey of Luverne High School. And, of course, he coached Dante Hall. And uh, I'm very excited about him, Garrett. I, I think his upside is unlimited. Once he gets in a weight room with regularity and, of course, the proper nutrition, uh, being, you know, Coach, uh, you know, being, uh, I had heard reports he was 6'10", you know, uh, his senior season. Saw him play, looked like he was at least 6'9", in the Alabama-Mississippi game, but uh, I know uh, with with the need of big men, he is very, very important for the future.
1: Right, and you know the way the game is evolving now. Um, a lot of people are going to these, you know, six nine, six ten athletes that can block shots and everything, and that fits right in with Dante Hall. He's going to be a rim protector with Jimmy Taylor, and if they can get, if Alabama can get to where they can play those two together for a long periods of time, that's something that could really, you know, be problems for other teams in the SEC and also um, other high major schools. I mean. Both of those guys, 6'9", 6'10", can block shots, great length, and rebounding, you know, that that's one big thing that um, kind of, you know, doesn't get talked about is rebounding. And it's hard to rebound in the SEC, um, you know, the toughness and grit that these SEC teams have. So, um, you know, this definitely, it's going to be fun to watch how he develops over the course of not only um, during his freshman season, but going into year two, three, and ultimately to year four and everything, um, you know but they they have high hopes for him too, um, as as the, all the other freshmen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how everything pans out.
5: It really will. And and speaking of big men, uh, and obviously Ferguson is somebody they're focusing on in 2016. Uh, Josh Langford going to Michigan State. He's off the board. Uh, what who are some of the other targets in the 2016 class? Likely won't be in state. But who are some of the other guys have you you heard they may be honing in on and are, who are some maybe some big men, some post players that because I think they need to sign I think two of the three need to be post players, but definitely at least one
1: Yeah, um, you know when I talked to um, Coach Postickle and coach Petway um, in Atlanta, you know they, they were honest, you know, they said they don't have their top targets yet, and of course this was you know the first weekend in July or whatever, so a lot of stuff played out since then um they're still trying to get a feel for who 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 they want and we're gonna see you know who's actually in contention with who here um probably this week um you know these kids are gonna narrow down their schools set up visits and everything and the setting up official visits kind of you know is a telltale uh, sign of you know who's involved with who and who's got the best chances um, you know they're definitely in there really well with Braxton Blackwell. Uh, I was going to
5: ask about him from dude. Nashville.
1: Yeah, six six uh, combo forward from Nashville. Nashville, who's moving to Oak Hill. Um, honestly, I was impressed whenever they got in there and made his top six. Um, he cut it down uh, last week, and obviously that's a um, a big testament to Bob Simon. Uh, Simon recruited Blackwell whenever he was at Providence, and they have a really good relationship. So. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to keep him from, you know, getting out of Nashville at Vanderbilt. Kansas is also involved there. Um, you know, Virginia. And there's a couple of other schools in there, but it's going to be tough to get him from Nashville. But, um, you know, Bob Simon lured away uh, Jalen Lindsey, who was uh, Blackwell's teammate a few years ago to Providence. So there's definitely, you know, there's a there's opportunity there. That's definitely one to watch. And I would say, um, behind Terrence Ferguson, Blackwell's probably, you know, the other top guy. Um, another guy, um, a, a guard from New York City, um, Mustafa Heron, former yes. Pittsburgh commit. Um, the staff has done a really, you know, followed him closely. Um, he, I don't, honestly, I don't know a lot of what's going on with him. He kind of keeps everything quiet. Um, St. John's in there as well as Alabama, um you know, it's going to be it's gonna be a little while until we know what's going on with Heron. Um, and then another guy that really could be an under-the-radar guy that a lot of people aren't going to talk about is um, Eli Wright um, from Kentucky. Uh, Petway and Coach Pospicle were both watching him um, when I, they were watching the same game I saw, and I mean, this kid was, he was doing some crazy stuff. He was putting up points in a hurry and everything, and um, they were both very impressed. Um, he's going to be hard. Um, you know, Clemson and Wake Forest and Oklahoma State have been in there, but Petway recruited him during the Anthony Grant era. So, you know, there may be, you know, a chance that they can slide back in there with Eli. But um, for the most part, I think, you know, from the past few weeks, those are really the top three or four guys that um, Avery Johnson really followed around in the 2016 class. Obviously, there are some more. Um, but those would, guys would be some uh, top targets, I would say, right now.
5: Yeah, and great stuff, Garrett. And uh, and then, obviously, we've already talked about it on the show a few times, but 2017 could be the most epic class in the state's history. And, obviously, uh, hearing great things from John Petty, he's performed very well this summer. And he, I know uh, Alabama was uh, a front and center watching him. Uh, well,
1: Who did you say again? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Uh, John Petty. John Petty. Yes right okay that's what I thought um you know yeah um Petty um you know he went to Peach Jam um but the you know the biggest AAU event um of the summer first weekend and obviously um Avery Johnson, Bruce Pearl, um, John Calipari you know just a hoot (laughs) who of you know SEC and uh, national schools you know they were all there they fought him really close and then I know um, this past weekend, whenever they were in Vegas, um, you know Avery Johnson was three deep with uh, you know assistants watching Petty. So they've definitely you know they they've said you know that you know they've made the made the commitment to Petty um, this summer and everything. So it's going to be um, you know we'll see how everything um, you know falls falls in line here going through um, Bruce Pearl and Auburn. They roamed in uh, packs for petty too. So, uh, you know, Don, you know, he, he, it's going to be a while until um, until we have a decision from him. But you know, Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, those top schools, those are going to be who's really um, really involved with him. Uh, Georgia may be in there too, but his recruitment still has a long way to go. As whenever um, a lot of these other schools start turning the uh, turning the page on 2016 and look forward to 2017, but um, those three schools definitely, you know, have have their roots in pretty firm right now.
5: Yeah, and obviously, uh, they've they, Spain Park is going to be a very talented squad, and uh, we've talked about that duo. Of course, Wiley is not playing this summer; he's recovering uh, from an injury. But of course, we know uh, that they like J- they like Johnson a lot at guard, and I know they've pro- they've been watching him as well.
1: Yeah, um, the first weekend, Antoine Petway followed uh, Jamal Johnson around a lot um, in Atlanta. Uh, I watched him. I watched Jamal a couple of times, and uh, you know he had a couple of really good games um at the end of end of the weekend or whatever, um you know, hitting shot, you know playing both guard spots. That's what intrigued a lot of coaches is the ability to play both guard spots. so um you know he's he's gonna be a top fifty type kid um a lot of a lot of coaches like his size and versatility. But yeah, um Alabama, I, don't, I, I don't wanna say that Avery Johnson wasn't there because I can't really remember. Um but I know Antoine Petway followed him followed him around a lot and it looks like um Petway's definitely gonna be um you know, keeping tabs on him as well as Alex Reese. I know um Alabama really likes Alex Reese, the kid from Pelham. Yes, um, they really do. He he uh yeah, he was there for a lot of his games um, this uh, July. He had to sit out a couple of games because he was hurt, but still Petway was there to watch him to show that, you know, the interest is there and everything. So, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, I think Jamal and Alex Reese, those two guys are really one to watch for um, as far as the 2017 class goes. The Reese actually, you know, At the end of June, took uh, snuck over to Tuscaloosa and took a little unofficial visit that kind of went unheard of with a lot of people. So, um, you know, they're definitely in there really well with Alex Reese. You know, Alabama and Vanderbilt. I think those two are really the front runners, um, and that I think that's really who it'll come down to. So, but definitely uh, Alex Reese and Jamal Johnson. Those are two 2017 kids that, um, you know, really Alabama really really likes right now and are in firm position
5: for yeah and obviously this is way early because this young guy will be a uh, 2019 uh, prospect really uh, but uh, Trendon Watford it's been big uh, he was such a uh, outstanding uh, player for Shades Valley as an eighth grader last year they get to the regional finals I believe Woodlawn put them out but still a great run for their squad and he averaged uh, you know, uh, uh, 20 points per game, even as an eighth grader. And of course, his brother, Christian Watford, was a star at uh, Shades Valley and then went on to Indiana and was a, a standout for Tom Crean. But he's now transferred to Mountain Brook to play for Bucky McMillan, and I know he's somebody that Alabama, Auburn, and everyone in the country will be recruiting.
1: Yeah, Drew, and I mean, you have to watch Trendon um, just to really appreciate how good of a player he is. Um, it's it's unheard of to see a kid at his age and his size to be that skilled. The combination of size and skill that he is—I mean, six-seven, pushing six-eight—you um, know—can handle the basketball, um, shoot it, read I mean, just about anything. And he's so smart. Um, he's years ahead of his age and as basketball-wise. Um, it, it's really amazing just to watch him, and it really makes you, as a basketball purist, you, it really makes you appreciate um everything and I think transferring to Mountain Brook um you know Bucky McMillan has the history of you know getting the most out of his players and everything so I'm excited to see how this move um for Trendon open up opens up more doors you know I want to see him play with that constant motor and everything and it's something that probably you know that really could um help him down the line as far as his um development goes and everything uh you know coaches love kids that play hard um but yeah i mean you know he's going to be an incoming freshman he he's already a phenom pretty much you know auburn and alabama mississippi state they've all offered um i think florida has too yes um in indiana they'll they'll be coming you know pretty strong uh you know it's just i mean it's hard there's a, one other kid that I saw this July that really compared not really compared but with the young age that really um that really blew me away and that was uh bowl bowl- uh minu bowl son um
5: Heard about that him. kid
1: does uh, i think i, I was watching sports center last night and there was a video of him on there um i mean it, it's crazy you know- Man, uh bowl bowl is you know six ten and i mean he can do just about anything uh handles it like a guard and everything (laughs) um shoots it so i mean these young kids that you know are you know getting all this high attention and rightfully so and it's not like they're pre-madonnas or anything they just deserve it um you know just because they're so talented um it's crazy you know just to think how you know how these kids are going to pan out and everything and just how talented they are right now it's fun to watch
5: it really is and well, Garrett, man, another great segment, great insight, covering kids from this this senior class, of course the the the, the rising 2017 group that will be so star-studded, and even 2019 uh, with Watford and uh, Bowl Bowl. But we want to thank you for joining us, and uh, let everybody know.
3: Well, that was uh, Garrett Tucker and Drew Diarmo talking earlier this week on ESPN 97.7 The Zone. If you noticed, uh, there was hardly any talk of any post players in that. 24 minutes. So I wanted to give some names of some post players uh, that Alabama is in on. Uh, Two from the uh, class that will sign this fall would be Tony Bradley, 6'10", from Florida, and also one who is visiting actually this weekend from Florida, Bradenton, Florida, Romello White, a four-star power forward, 6'8", 215. Alabama's hosting a big man camp, and Romello's coming to that. I'm not sure if Tony is or not. Two others to watch. from Auburn High School, Garrison Brooks, also visiting this weekend. He's class of 17. He's already 6'9", 215. Uh, Galen Smith from Clinton, Mississippi, also class of 17. And he is 6'8", 210. And uh, while they covered almost every guard known to man that Alabama is recruiting, there, did, there was another offer that went out today to Rawl Akins out of New York. And uh, he is a five-star guard who is 6'5", and he's class of 16, and he's already calling Avery Johnson his coach. He's not committed, but he's just saying that. So just some uh, basketball info to throw at you. We're going to take a little bit of a break now and come back in just a few minutes and resume. And you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family.
2: I, I love the colorful And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle to the moon On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm digging up Please smile, I know she must be kind.
3: Welcome back to Bam's Radio. It is six minutes after the hour, uh, the Central Time Zone. It's the eight o'clock hour. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from Bamomag.com. Joined as always by Thomas Watson in the studio and running the controls from Touchdown, Alabama Magazine. Rudy Arman is, uh, I guess you'd call it, on assignment. He's attending some type of banquet. He's going to try to join us later this hour. But joining us now on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. Check them out at bigheadsbbq.net. He is our good friend from Greenville, Alabama, Colin Big C. McGuire, manager on the seventy-eight and seventy-nine national championship teams, University of Alabama, and like us a radio host in his hometown of Greenville. What is going on, Big C? You
6: ain't gonna believe this. I'm I'm at Landmark Church of Christ. They just had their gridiron kickoff thing this year. I just met I met a few hours ago, Brees Davis. I know Bruce you know Davis. who he is or know the name.
3: Yeah, he's a Bama graduate on ESPN. Where, where, is that church in right.
6: Montgomery? Yeah, they got this, I was invited to this thing up here. So I'm about to leave in a minute or two, but I was gonna holler and she she called said call it eight oh five and Coach Stallings was down here is down here in Sloan with Jay Jacobs of Auburn.
3: Wow. And Big C. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
3: All kinds of celebrities <laughs> run around that church.
6: Yeah. Well um Let's see, what's going on? I'm trying to say, we got a big recruit out of, uh, the Townsend kid out of, what town is that, uh, out of Tanner Townsend, where he committed to that.
3: Yeah, yeah, his name is Townsend, and uh, he's from Tanner, and he's coached by Le'Ron White, who used to play for Gene Stallings, who you saw tonight, and yeah. uh, so Le'Ron was a solid offensive lineman for Bama back in the 90s, and uh, Townsend, I don't have his first name in front of me right now, that was something we are going to get get on with Drew when he gets on here. But he's an athlete that can be a safety or a cornerback if he plays on defense, and he can be a receiver probably uh, if he plays on offense. But he's one of the fastest players in the state. And uh, so Townsend uh, is going to be – he's in the class of 17, though. So yeah. we're a year and a half from before he can even sign. Hopefully he'll stay committed. I, I noticed that uh, Mikael Jones is committing, I think, later this week or next week, a wide receiver. He's a 16 player, and uh, Townsend is already on his Twitter trying to get him to come to Alabama. So, yeah, that, that was a good game. Hey, year. how you doing? What is nice to see you. <laughs> okay, we'll just wait. Nice to see you. Baby. My big C Hey, hey, all right. <laughs> hey there, how you Roll doing? Die. Nice to see you. Damn it. How you
6: doing, big man? Nice to see you. I'm hanging.
3: <laughs>
0: okay, I just put him back on hold.
3: Okay, well.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what to do there. That was a little shocking. <laughs> I,
2: thought kind of, I thought
0: it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, let's Great. see if he's done. Let's see if he's ready to go.
2: I'm clear. Big C, you with us?
6: Yeah, I'm oh, leaving. no, no. Yeah, you're,
3: you're good. You're going to take the cell phone through a damn yeah, receiving me.
6: line. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's that now? I'm going to
3: Okay, are you done now where you can talk to
6: us? Yeah, I'm done right this minute. I'm clear for the time being.
3: <laughs> okay, well uh, like I said Yeah, uh the uh the, the, the Townsend kid from Tanner, like I said, played for the Ron White, former battle player, and he's a class of seventeen athlete. Uh maybe the fastest guy in the state. Uh so yeah, that's a good kid. It also help on kick returns down the road. But uh so yeah, that's 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 wild, big C. What else? Well, what did uh, Coach Stallings
6: well, have to say tonight? Oh, he was talking about his son, John Marsh. and he was very moving. I
3: mean, oh,
6: fields and buildings and stuff were named after him in Alabama and in Texas. It hmm. was really uh, pretty neat. He and who was, was the other Alabama guy? Was, oh, no, Reese Davis. Was the, Davis was the main speaker. got to meet him. He's a nice guy. Yep. He is. Real down to earth to be, uh, be a big time celebrity like he is.
2: But uh,
6: uh, now, what, all right, Anfernie Jennings' brother, I see committed for 2016, the quarterback in DB from Dave, I saw for Red this week.
3: Well, he was signed uh, or committed, excuse me, to play defense. I did. I got a chance to scout him last year when I went mm-hmm. to scout Anfernie. I saw Dave play a game uh, on a Friday night, and Sean is a Guy, he does play quarterback for them, but he also plays safety, kind of strong safety type guy. And mm-hmm. he could very well uh, morph into a linebacker, uh, say an outside linebacker. Because I tell you what, he'll hit you. And he's a three-star, but he's a solid three-star. He's not one of these guys that you go, wow, why did they take him? They could have gotten him any time. They take him because they know he can help them on special teams. And, 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 and it could be safety, it could be linebacker. We'll see how his weight is. When he reports, he he was a good take, and he was a guy that a lot of people wanted, uh, including Auburn, but others wanted him, too. So, yeah, it was uh, Sean Darius Jennings, or Sean, they call him. It was a good gift for Alabama in the class of 16, and then the scout.com rankings, uh, it moved Alabama up to number two nationally in the class of 16. They got that commitment. So, even a three-star, if he's a good three-star, can help you in the rankings. Mm
6: Mm-hmm. Well, Reese Davis was talking about how both Alabama and Auburn was going to do this year in their in his opinion, and he thought the rankings of Alabama third and Auburn seven was justified.
3: You going to take the phone and walk up to Reese and interview him for us? Said again. You going to take the phone and walk up to Reese and interviewing for us live here?
6: No, no, because I don't know. He's he's got he's busy with people getting his autograph right now. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, well, you can do Coach Stoll's if you want to.
6: I talked to him before the show was over, before the program was over. He's getting all he He's signing autographs, too, right now.
3: Did Coach Dalvin do like he did that time me and you ran into him down at the beach and called you a little sleep? I,
6: I, no, I don't know if he did this time or not. No, not this time, but he talked to me, though. He's asked me if I still did my radio program. I said, I sure do, and I said, I'm going to try to get you on this year. So well, that's I'm what's going That. So it was pretty nice uh, evening to hear. Well, we'll try to do that for you. So you just uh,
3: give me a
6: call sometime. But anyway, what else is going on? I just I wanted to call Oh, when can we get you on tomorrow, big
7: man, or do you need to text me later? I'll need to text you later
3: because I really don't think the people listening to this show care about that. But Uh-oh. I will say this. They they need to know that I'm going to be on, so
6: uh, I'll have to
3: think about it. I, I would say... Uh,
6: about seven thirty. Okay, good. We'll give you a holler at seven thirty. And tell them
3: the name of that station and how they can listen to that show.
6: All right, it's Jock. I mean, it's WGYV thirteen eighty. But if you want to listen to the show, you got to go to www dot and look up Talking Sports with Big C. And go to that show, and we'll be on that at seven a.m. tomorrow, from seven to eight a.m. At 7.30, you will be on there with me,
4: yours truly.
3: That's right, Big C, I will be. And uh, we've already completed our uh, breakdown of every position on the Alabama football team. But that uh, special
6: teams have we done that yet or not?
3: Yeah, we did
6: it last Friday. Okay. Well, I, I, don't I don't know, know where you were. So fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes yeah, I'm in you- and out.
3: Uh, no kidding. Well, I, uh, the thing is, I mean, you kept asking me all these other questions, and I was about to run out of time. I said, Big C, we need to get special teams, and we did. We got it covered, though. I mean, yeah, we covered it. Okay, position. Great. Uh, we have We have broken down the, the 2015 time. I wanted to ask you, Big C, uh, what did you think about the poll that came out today?
6: I think it was pretty interesting. Um... I wrote an article in the local newspaper. I said Alabama will do ten and two better, and I just said it's these other these questions like quarterback, offense line, and offense the jails into being a real good offense. Defense, i uh Somebody's wanting my autograph. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, let me write. Let me sign it for this young fella here. How y'all doing tonight? Yes. Uh, just to let y'all know oh, we're, we're talking. To and, and and believe it or not, it's an Auburn hat,
3: this man, but I'll do it for the young man. Uh-oh. Oh, that's was man, a funny story I need to tell. Uh,
6: All right, go ahead and tell it.
3: Well, many years ago, I used to be the uh, co chairman of a lunch group of Alabama alumni that met in Atlanta at a sports bar called Flanky's that has since been, since been shut down. The group still meets, but they meet down the road. So I thought it would be funny. Yeah. Oh,
6: Big C I was okay, okay. I, I, I knew that name said it for
0: me. yeah and I've played on that field for a long time. Hey, uh, I I I booted him. He he got the hobnail boot.
3: Yeah. Okay, so what happened was Big C if you've never met him is about uh four foot six maybe on a good day. He's a he's a dwarf. It's the condition he was born with and it's part of what makes Big C who he is. But at the time it was Iron Bowl Week and uh if I'm guessing it was around 93 94 time frame, and the coach at Auburn was Terry Bowden, who was on a good day, five five, probably less than that. So, I got Big C to dress up like Terry Bowden. I mean, he had on an Auburn hat and he had on an orange and blue tie, a white button down shirt, and blue slacks exactly what tennis shoes exactly what Coach Bowden wore to the Auburn games when he coached down there. And he came walking in, and people didn't know. That it was going to happen. So we're up there getting, you know, making announcements and all that at the podium, getting ready for the speakers. And Big C comes walking into the room in this sports bar full of people, and you know, it, it was in Atlanta, but there was a lot of Alabama people there because it was an alumni luncheon. And I mean, it just cracked people up. And then I conducted an interview with him, like he was Terry Bowden. And then to make matters worse, or, or best, maybe to make matters better, for most of the time that Terry Bowden coached at Auburn. Big C had a crimson and white T-shirt that he had made up, and on the back it said, No, I'm not Terry Bowden. And he would wear that to every hour model. It was just great. That's old Big C. <laughs> maybe he'll call back in. Maybe he won't. But uh, <laughs> uh, we just had some bad timing with him. Just like I guess we've got with Drew getting stuck at a banquet, Big C went to a banquet. Uh, I guess everybody but Thomas and me went to a banquet tonight.
0: Well, we've got Big C back at least, uh.
3: Okay, Big C, are you, are you
6: the I, I, way you I, talk, I, 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 I'm through with the autograph session right this moment. You're going to get
3: the hobnail
6: boot if that happens again. But anyway, um, now I heard that, yeah, somebody inspired me to do the No, I'm Not Terry the t-shirt down in Mobile. Well, it was funny, you know, I, I made another one too, I, Big Man. You know, a, that one shirt that I made on that one, I don't know if you remember this one or not. It was that you remember when Peyton Moon, man, and Moon, that trainer up there at Tennessee, the female trainer,
2: yeah, and
6: she had to pay him 300000 He had to pay her $300,000, and the University of Tennessee had to. Yeah, I wrote a, I made up a shirt that said, Peyton Moon, me, I need the money. No, I never saw
3: that one. I got that Those, one, too, but I was telling the story about that time I had you dress up like Terry Bowden. Oh, yeah,
6: oh, In yeah, Atlanta. Well, that
3: was
6: well, I just going to call y'all back, and I'm all right right this moment anyway. Well,
3: I'm sure you got some more questions before we let you go.
6: Oh, gosh. Let me think. Um, Unless you want me
3: to start asking you questions.
6: I got oh, a wait a minute. Wait a minute. I do got a question. What's about right. the deal with the guy from Wisconsin that couldn't get into school that Alabama's trying to get? Are they, going to, that's from Texas. Are they going to have a chance of getting him, or what, what do y'all know about that? He committed to Nebraska today. Oh, he committed to Nebraska. I he does.
3: I think his name was Gordon Stevenson. I wasn't really taken aback with him, even though he's a very good running back. He's built yeah. like D. Hart. He's like 5'8". and oh, I think yeah. Alabama, at least at running back, Alabama needs to be past taking people that size. I could see it if he was going to play in a slot or whatever, but he's not. He's a true running back. So I think he did yeah. the right thing, and and, I, and he would have been eligible this year. But at the same time, you know, I think if they can keep Drake Henry. Healthy, both of them, and then get anything at all out of Damian Harris, and maybe even a time to get out of Ronnie Clark. I think they'll be fine at running back this year if those guys can stay healthy. Where he would have helped would have been if there had been an injury or something like that, but he's going to Nebraska. He's off the board. He uh, did consider Alabama very strongly, but he's not going to Alabama. Um, no, okay. I, I wasn't really that fired up about it because I was afraid it would hurt us with somebody that they're trying to get in the 16 class
4: like maybe Elijah Holyfield or... Like Excuse that. me. Sorry
6: okay. about that. Pardon me. All
2: right. Okay. Well,
6: I don't know what else to ask y'all boys today, but I'll be calling you around 7.30
4: tomorrow morning, though.
3: Well, yeah, that'd be good, man. Well, everybody go to jobjob.com. I don't I don't know what all Big C is going to ask me, but I'll try to bone up and get, get a little more information than that. Well, Big C, why don't you uh, let me ask you one question before you go, all right. Uh, a lot of people watched the uh, 79 Sugar Bowl, the exciting game oh, yeah. against Penn State on the SEC network a few weeks ago when they had the Alabama Takeover Day that Monday. I, yeah. on my DVR. I watched it, and uh, even as somebody who has, uh, who has photobombed Nick Saban a number of times over the years, I, I don't think I've ever gotten quite the exposure that, that you got that day. Uh, I could see you doing a job. And, uh, this would be a two part question. I could see from the way you were doing your job as the as ball boy that you had an absolutely phenomenal ankle on all four plays of the goal line stand at Penn State. So when you stand there ready to run a ball out there, watching that unfold down in front of your eyes, what What do you remember about that?
6: I answer the question one more, that last part again. I know you said something about the four plays, but what was that after that? Just period?
3: what? What do you remember about that experience standing there watching that unfold in front of you?
6: Oh, okay. All right. I remember. Okay. I'll go ahead and tell you that real fast. remember the fumble by between Nathan and, and Rutledge. And that was on the 17. And I think, if I remember right, they got an 11 yard gain on the first play to the six. Then on first down, it got down to the two. Then on second down, when they threw the pass to Fitzgeorge. I said, this guy's walking in. Well, we got it. All right. Then on third down, you know, they tried to score, and that, and the guy ain't got over. And then on fourth down, he, that guy ain't got over yet to this day. I mean, I could tell where I was standing at. He didn't get in, but it looked like on second down, it looked like he was about to walk into the end zone, and then McNeil comes out of nowhere and tackles him like he did. Set up it was a great play by Don uh, That's right.
3: And then That's Don's right. had some uh, health issues lately, hasn't he?
6: Yeah, he's got him ass, unfortunately. Yeah. He's a good boy. Good guy,
3: though. Proud of Atmore, Alabama, and many, many years with the Miami Dolphins, Don McNeil.
2: One, That's right. One of those,
3: That's... You know, people have been discussing lately who some of the greatest cornerbacks ever to play at Alabama were. and Drew always says Antonio Langman. he was good. And I like Castile, and I like McNeil both, too. I guess I'm just old school, but see.
6: Well, Matt Neal was great. There's no question about that.
3: I also wanted to yep. ask you uh last question. I know you need to go uh, earlier in, in the game. There, or, I'm sorry, later in the game, I guess it was Penn State's last possession, they threw a little out pass to Fiski, and he ran out of bounds and looked like he kind of cleaned your clock a little bit.
6: Well, it wasn't it was a guy named Brad something, Stovall. He was a backup tight end number 80, and I froze like a beard headlights when he came toward me and the stomach. His helmet speared me right in the stomach, and I fell down, and the guys were nice to me. They said, I want to make sure I was okay. I was, but the next day when I was coming back from New Orleans, I could feel sort of the imprint where the helmet was. <laughs> but it didn't hurt, though. I bounced back up like a rubber ball.
3: You did bounce up real quick.
6: Uh, I don't know yep. if you got up that quick this same time. No, not now, but then I could. I was 21, now I'm 57, so that does make a little difference there. Your hair was
3: all brown back then, too, man. Every yeah, it's of, starting to get white now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> let it
6: go, though. I'm not going to worry about it.
3: Get no but anyway,
6: cool. well, well, I'll give you a holler at 7.30 tomorrow morning, big man.
3: All right, Big C, I appreciate it, man. I really See
6: do. We it as uh, always. See y'all. Okay. Bye, bye.
3: Colin, Colin, Big C McGuire. There's nobody else like him. that. Was uh, that was probably one of the funniest segments we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, that, he was at a banquet at at a church in Montgomery where Lee Davis had spoken and Gene Stallings and uh, I guess Jay Jacobs from Auburn. And what happened was while he was talking to us. Big C had a bunch of his buddies come up want to talk to him. And then he had somebody that's an Auburn fan want his autograph on an Auburn hat. So that was one of the more bizarre segments that we've ever had in BAM's history. But uh, here's a little breaking news about basketball. Y'all heard uh, Drew and Garrett Tucker talking about a prospect, a five-star named Terrence Ferguson. He is uh, going to visit Alabama uh, August 4th. In fifth. So that's just next week. So Terrence Ferguson, six foot five, five star, one of the best guards in the country. A guy that Kansas really thinks they have locked up. Avery Johnson has made a major move on him. Uh, Baylor's in on him too, but it's pretty much Alabama or Kansas. With Kansas supposedly in the lead, but people that Drew talks to are beginning to feel like Alabama may overtake Kansas. And this would be. If Alabama can somehow sign Terrence Ferguson in the class this fall, it would be the biggest name recruit since 2001, or the class of 2000 with Gerald Wallace. And uh, that's been a long time, and Gerald was an Alabama guy, and he didn't stay but one year. But uh, this will be pretty huge. And if anybody wants to, uh, <laughs> to follow Terrence Ferguson, if, if this is real... His, his Twitter said at T. Ferguson Tabama. I think, you know, kids can change their handles as, as they want to, but uh, oh, this is this is a handle someone started for Terrence called at T. Ferguson Tabama. That's not Terrence's actual handle, but he is obviously reading it. He is uh, at V2K Ferguson is Terrence's actual Twitter. So y'all follow at V2K Ferguson. Uh, that should be interesting. T-FERG is his actual Twitter handle, T-F-E-R-G. We do want to thank Big C for taking his time to call in here. That was uh, quite a segment there on Band Radio. We we'll thank Lou Robinson for his time last hour. That was actually a pretty good segment he had with some of those uh, match-up ideas that he had for college football. And uh, I think mean, what we'll do now, in case people weren't with us the first hour, is uh, we will just go ahead and, and recap what happened earlier today in regard to the uh, coaches' poll, and we'll go ahead and uh, give some more analysis on that. Uh, Alabama came in at third in the initial USA Today coaches' poll, and Auburn was seventh, and I believe Georgia was 11th or 12th. But uh, the uh, national folks have got the top four: is one Ohio State, two TCU, three Alabama, and Oregon. So that's that's how they see it. And uh, if anybody wants to discuss it, this would probably be a good time to put the number out. We're expecting a caller maybe the next five or ten minutes from Atlanta, and we'll be looking for that. But uh, until he's able to join us, you can call us live on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. And That'll get you straight in here. If you're listening live, please call us. We'd love to hear from you. That's 714-510-3707, the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Check out Big Heads Barbecue at bigheadsbbq.net, where you can download the catering menu and check out what they have to offer, which is ribs, sides, chicken, brisket, pork, dessert menu, and uh, you can follow them on Twitter, at Big Head B D Q. so uh, that's what's going on with that. We'd love to hear from you. Really wish we could get Marty to start calling back in, but I think Marty is going to wait till we go back on Wednesday at some point, uh, which hopefully will be sooner than later because that was the uh, official night for Fans Radio. Yeah, so
0: that that should start up here pretty soon. We need to discuss that. But I'm done with summer school, so.
3: Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. As far as i we can do it next week.
0: I think I can do that. Keep an eye on Twitter.
3: Yeah. So uh, for those of you that were uh, really looking forward to BAMS as a Wednesday night fix, we're just going to go ahead and make the call right now to start that back next week. And I, I think we'll keep it uh, – uh, let's see. We will need to move it back to 8 o'clock because of uh, okay. some commitments I have on Wednesday nights that don't end until 7.30 regarding choice. But uh, So what we'll do is next week we'll go back to the original BAMS Radio time frame, which was 8 to 10 Central on Wednesday night. So absolutely huge announcement there, breaking news. Thank you, Thomas Watts. And, Thomas, please, this fall, when you sign up for classes, don't sign up for anything on Wednesday. I don't care if it's uh, I've,
2: uh,
0: I've already, already set my schedule around it. Don't worry.
3: Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Anything you'd like to add
2: while I uh, finish pulling this poll up?
0: Oh well, I just think that the poll is—it's—I uh, it's, think you know, as much as we can kind of poo-poo it because it is there's some there's some ridiculousness. It means that football's right around the corner, and you you can't get past that. And it makes me excited, even if you know this is still kind of inventing a storyline because there's no game film. But hey, man, I'll take what I can get.
3: Yeah, and somebody was saying well, it's never right, blah blah. Uh, my understanding is that four of the top six in this poll from a year ago was the four that made the playoffs. I so, uh,
0: yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it. because they didn't go
3: four for four; they went four for six, and that's pretty good.
0: Sure. Oh, absolutely. And really, it it could have been even better if the Big Twelve hadn't done that ridiculous co-championship thing that I I I don't understand. <laughs>
3: As a conference
2: that
0: is on life support, my friend. Oh, yeah. Well, did you see that report where, like, five schools thought about breaking away, and it was, it was like redoing realignment? I
3: heard it being discussed on Fonbomb as I was driving
0: home. Okay. I just I, – I, I didn't – I browsed over the report. I, I took a vacation for the first time in forever, and I was getting ready to do that, so I didn't read the whole thing. But uh, it was just more realignment nonsense.
3: Well, I'm going to do a segue now, Thomas, because when Big C and I were talking a few minutes ago and we were talking about Don McNeil, I called Don McNeil the pride of Atmore, Alabama. But there's another pride of Atmore, Alabama that I want to introduce to our listeners on BAM's radio. And anybody that reads Tyler and Cider is familiar with this young man. I call him young man because he's younger than me. But uh, he goes by the Internet moniker of Bama K. But his real name is Reggie Willis. He grew up in Atmore, Alabama. He attended the University of Alabama. Now he lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he's one of the few people out there that I'll admit has more and better inside information than I do. Reggie Willis, welcome to Bands Radio.
7: How you doing this evening, buddy?
3: I'm just as blessed as I am broke. How about you?
7: I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
3: Sounds like you're on a landline, man. That sounds really good.
7: I'm feeling good this evening and I'm very thankful
3: you just came out of a a, a church meeting of some sort Uh, I got to tell you a story Reggie we just got off the phone with Big C he calls us every week I know you know who Big C is so Big C is at this church rally in Montgomery tonight and the speakers were Reese Davis Gene Stallings and Jay Jacobs so the thing had just ended and Big C calls us and all of a sudden, we're right in the middle of talking to him, and people are walking up. And he just decides he'll start talking to those people.
2: <laughs> 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 we went all.
3: And then he came back, and we got talking to him again. And somebody walked up with an Auburn hat. They wanted him to autograph. I don't know what the hell they wanted
2: to do. To Auburn, to
3: hat. But I'll tell them the story about. Uh, and this was before you started coming to lunch, but this was back in the nineties. When Terry Bowden was coaching at Auburn, I had Big C dressed up like Terry Bowden and walk into one of our meetings up here at Frankie and So that was a that was quite a highlight. But uh, <laughs> Reggie, I want to thank you for uh, calling into Bam's Radio, and uh, many many people look to you as as a source of, of Alabama information. So I just want to go ahead and start picking your brain because uh, we never had you on Bam's Radio before. But I want to ask you a couple of questions and let people know. Uh, how fortunate we are to have you as a caller. And uh, first of all, what are you hearing, Reggie, about uh, the off-season program, the skeleton drills, the weight room, that kind of thing, regarding the upcoming team?
7: Well, you know, obviously it's 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 as secret as secret gets. But from from what I've heard so far, everything looks looks good. Uh, the focus uh, seems to be on on really really uh, developing what's what's called a uh, quick twitch muscles in terms of getting uh, both leaner and, and quicker, because as you know, we, we play a combination of, 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 of teams such as Wisconsin, LSU, Arkansas, that are, that are going to be downhill, you know, right at you physical football, which is what Saban prefers. But you also have that other combination of teams, whether it be Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, etc., that will play that hurry-up style of offense. So, in essence, we have to develop two different philosophies and two different two different body types, in effect. And so, uh, say there seems to be an emphasis on both developing what I guess theoretically is called uh, fast-twitch muscles, uh, which essentially explosiveness, quickness, uh, speed. Uh, for instance, A. Robinson, you know, he's evidently lost uh some 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 more baby fat and and gotten a lot more explosive and quicker which is going to be scary for for teams that we play he's going to be a guy that not only will will be dependent upon as a run run stuffer but also someone that can penetrate uh you've got a lot of freshmen who are are really getting a majority of all of the kudos in terms of off-season workouts uh Damian Harris at running back. I mean, he's looking phenomenal. Uh, you've got a, a couple of DB, freshman DBs, that are looking like they're going to be uh, really, really three-year players and, and, and big-timers, uh, whether it be uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and also Kendall Sheffield that are also turning a lot of heads. Uh, you've, Of course, you've got our, bud, our, our buddy uh, Harrison at, at strong safety who they think or some people are calling the Amari Cooper of defense. Uh, He's a guy that's 6'2 and change, uh, 218 pounds or so, and can both cover and also hit, and he's going to be phenomenal also. So in terms of who I'm hearing about the most in terms of 7-on-7s and in terms of off-season workouts – primarily it's about freshmen, true freshmen that are going to come in and provide some needed depth and also some explosiveness. So I think you're going to see a, a a little bit different Alabama team. You're going to you're going to see a team that goes back to its physicality in terms of dominating at the line of scrimmage, but you're also going to see more explosive athletes on the field also. And so that's what I'm hearing about the most right now in terms of 707s.
3: What if anything have you heard this summer, just in the last three or four weeks, about the quarterback situation, Reggie?
7: What I've heard so far is Kiffin is the only uh, staffer that prefers Coker, and that's his guy. Uh, every other staffer seems to prefer Cornwell at this juncture, going out of, out of spring practice. Uh, but it's close. It's very close. Right now, I would say Coker has the nod because if the offensive coordinator is backing you, that's who's going to start. But again, we haven't gone into fall practice. Everything is still wide open. Nothing is settled. But going into fall practice, I would say Colker would have the slight edge over over Cornwell going into fall practice.
3: Next question is based on the fact that you were a standout offensive lineman for the Escambia County Blue Devils back in the day pre-Murray Hill. But uh, what do you feel like the Alabama offensive line is shaping up to be this fall and what needs to happen for them to return to the dominance of 2011-2012
7: the main thing that has to happen for the offensive line uh would be the play of the offensive guards uh, I I know someone who's spoken with uh Mario Cristobal and and Cristobal said our ability to be able to be the dominant Alabama offensive line of the past that can run at your you know even on, at third and long uh, that offensive of line was not reachable last year because of the fact that we did not have offensive of guards that provided us provided us with that physicality. Uh, going into this year with Bozeman and and, and company, uh, they are expecting to be able to go back to that dominant offensive of line. Uh, the key from a depth standpoint is that we cannot lose any of our two starting offensive of tackles. My understanding is that that is the key for really possibly for the season next year, even more so than the quarterback in, in some instance. I know that may sound radical, but they are going back to a running physical football team next year. Uh, yes, we're going to still spread the ball around in terms of passing the ball, but still they want to be able to go back to the character that we had in, in, 20, in 2011 and 2012. And so you're going to see an emphasis on running the football and downhill football again. But the key would be keeping both of our offensive tackles, both uh, Jackson and also, of course, the big boy Robinson at left tackle, keeping both of those kids healthy. And and so it's it's really a, it's going to be a, a tight wire in terms of being able to uh, navigate through a very long season. And as, as we know, it's considered to be the toughest schedule in the country. But really offensive tackle play and keeping them healthy will be the key. But in terms of being able to dominate as we did in, in 2012 with that incredible offensive line, going back you know, to a physical, physical style of football will be uh, about the offensive guard play. And we think we've got the offensive guards and, and the depth also going into next year that will give us the ability to do so.
3: And you mentioned Calvin Ridley, and I've heard great things also about him. As a matter of fact, Reggie Ragland told a story at Media Days two weeks ago that the first day Calvin was out there, he had a one-handed diving catch that kind of caused some jaws to drop from those that are uh, regulars in the 7-on-7. But the rest of the receiver core, with Cam Sims most likely out for the entire year, uh, talk about the importance of... uh, Chris Black, our Darius Stewart, and Rob Foster stepping up uh, and, and, and getting some things done this year.
7: In terms of the uh, the new wide receiver uh, trio that's coming in next year, actually is going to be more of a grouping. Uh, you're not going to just see those three names, of course. You're going to see even more than that. Uh, you're going to see a lot of potential out there, but no proven talent. Uh, Amari Cooper was a different animal. Amari Cooper and I spoke with uh Chris Carter, uh of course, uh the, the father of, of of a potential player that we will not name uh numerous times. And, and and Chris uh brought out brought brought the point to me of the fact that Amari Cooper had NFL like training going into his, his freshman year at Alabama. He had already been Already trained in the off-season with a lot of NFL guys, which which 99.9% of all kids would not have the opportunity to do so. So in effect, you've got a lot of guys going into next year that would not have both the, the knowledge and 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 really experience that Amari had, but they're going to have the physical a lot of the physical attributes. Uh, you've got Robert Foster, a kid that's close to 63 uh, around two, 208 to 210 uh, with explosive explosive speed uh, something that a lot of people don't know about Robert Foster is that not from a timing standpoint but from a foot race standpoint he's the fastest guy on the team uh, in terms of beating every every other player on the team and in personal challenge foot races uh, in terms of and foot races, you know, at practice. And so he's a guy with a lot of explosive speed, a lot of length, and, and really a lot of ability. And, and all of these guys have NFL potential from the staff standpoint. Uh, you've got Chris Black, a kid that will be uh, our slot receiver, and he's considered to be the best slant runner of all of the wide receivers on the team and has been so really for the last two years. Uh, but ju- but just does not put it all together in terms of doing all the things Saban requires in terms of blocking and not making mental mistakes. But he's a, a kid with a lot of talent, a kid with a lot of upper body strength and a kid that can that can beat jams. And obviously playing the slot, you have the ability to move around. So he's a guy that, that's not afraid to go up the middle, and he's a guy that once he, he gets it in space, he can take it to the house. Or Darius Stewart is a kid that has similar talent, and probably is most similarly uh, compared to Amari Cooper, uh, maybe not quite as physically developed as Amari was, obviously, but a kid with a lot of explosiveness. He's got good length on him, and he's a guy that runs extremely crisp routes and has very good hands. And essentially, they're going to have a lot of talent. You know, Ritley, who you who you referenced earlier, he's a kid that – of course, coming from the Miami area, that you're going to think about Amari immediately. Uh, but with Ridley, you may have a little bit more length than Amari. He's a kid, if you, if you look at him, he's got extremely long arms, which scouts look for at the NFL level. He's a kid that has great hands, uh, very confident uh, to the point of being cocky, and explosive speed. And as we all know, he's a little bit older than your traditional freshman, too. So you're looking, you're going to be looking at a, a wide receiver grouping that comes in next year with a lot of explosive talent, talent. And we're not even talking about the transfer from Oregon State also that's coming in that, of course, brings a good resume with them also. So I look for the Alabama wide receiver core to be as good as our quarterback is. They're going to be able to get good separation and and provide explosive explosiveness, but we've just got to have a quarterback that can get them the ball.
0: Hey Reggie, this is uh, Thomas Watts. I work with uh, touch, for Touched on Alabama Magazine, and I've been producing this show with Carrie for the past couple of years. And I've got a quick defensive question. Actually, you mentioned uh, in the weight room they're doing a lot of quick twitch work, yeah. uh, and part of and like you said in the offense, you're going to see that that kind of imposing slowdown, kind of the offense slowing down, not being as hurry up. Yeah. Do you think that the on, on the defensive side, the quick twitch work, does that mean more versatility so that we'll see more base defenses and less substituting primarily to combat the spread? What's your read on all of that?
7: Yes. Uh, essentially, Saban, going into the 2014 year, my understanding is that Saban told uh, Scott Cochran, the uh, strength, and, strength and conditioning uh, coach, to really, really – maintain the level of mass that they had on on their players but get faster and so they tried that and and i think they saw limited results with that in terms of conditioning and stamina Uh, i think you've got a philosophy now where they realize that they've got to get actually lose some bulk and and but and, and focus on getting faster but still maintaining a level of physicality because they're going to have to combat, again, the LSUs, the Arkansas, the Wisconsin, et cetera, that will be going downhill. And so the emphasis will be on, as you referenced earlier, being able to have guys that can essentially play through a series without having a lot of substitution because, quite frankly, you're not going to get much substitution opportunities. Uh, you're going to have to have guys that really are going to be conditioned, that are going to – Basically, that have good stamina, that can that can play physical when they have to be physical, but also of course be able to play in in a, a spread formation also, because you're gonna they're gonna go up against formations that will put them in space and they're gonna have to be able to move. The days of the Terrence Cody's et cetera, I think Saban referenced it earlier from my understanding at at a recent. Uh, recent function where uh, Terrence Cody cannot play in today's uh, college football. It's just not possible. The sloppy fat, you know, zero technique nose tackles, you know, that's not happening anymore. You've got to have guys, whether it be Darren Payne, et cetera, the the young kids that are coming up that are going to have to be conditioned, that's going to have to get rid of the baby fat, that really will have to be able to run like deers. But also, of course, be strong as bulls too and be able to take on the three hundred and thirty pound offensive guards and offensive tackles. So you've got to be able to basically just play football. I know Jeremy Pruitt, form, former former uh, coach on Alabama staff, uh has told people and has told them for a couple of years that that the reason they they won the FSU, all they they beat Auburn for the national championship was that he realized uh, after the first half where Auburn went up and down the field on them that he had to get out of the way and allow his guys to play. And and essentially he simplified the defense. And as you know, for the last six quarters, I think Auburn has scored 13 points on his defense in six quarters of football since he did that. And hopefully uh, Saban and, and Smart, and I believe they're wise enough to do so, have noticed that. That essentially uh, the days of Kirby jumping up and down and giving all of these uh, gyrations in terms of trying to get the defense into the best possible uh, position. Uh, that can happen against the hurry-up teams. Uh, you've got to simplify the defense. You've got to prepare your guys going into these specific games how to react and having the whether it be the Mike linebacker or whoever the quarterback of the defense be more of the coach on the field and and maybe. Uh, be able to to give a a one a, a one signal uh, you know uh, uh, f- command in terms of what defense they need to be aligned in, but you you know the days of of the Mike linebacker and I saw it last year, and I'm sure you guys saw it last year in the Auburn game where you had had situations where you you had number 33 Trey priests looking back at Smart for 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 hand signals while the offense was sna- snapping the football. I mean if you're running a, a four seven forty, that's our that's already made you a five flat forty because you're a step behind already. You can't do that against hurry up teams. But you also have to have the ability, of course, when you do have the the physical teams that play the traditional uh huddle huddle going to the huddle and then uh then basically implement just the play and, and but they're playing physical football, you've got to have the ability of course to play savings preference. Which is, of course, uh, matchup defense. So it's 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 going to be a tricky it's going to be a tricky situation next year. But I think they feel very confident going into 2015, much so than they did in 14, that they'll be ready for the challenge.
3: Reggie, we're going to turn the uh, tables over to recruiting now, specifically football recruiting, and we'll start with the last two commitments. Uh, we'll take them one at a time. Tell us uh, what you feel Alabama's getting in uh, Sean Darius Jennings from Daveville.
4: Well, Sean Jennings,
7: uh, quite frankly, I was a little surprised uh, because I know of my understanding from their, their, their board in terms of what they have out there uh, that they had to be very, very selective in, in, in the last grouping of kids. But from talking to people since its commitment and right before its commitment, uh, I've, I've, as a fan and that's all i am i'm just a fan just like anyone else you know out here listening uh, i feel a lot more confident that he's going to be a guy that can help us you know uh, that can develop and really help us down the road he's a kid that brings you length if you look at what alabama is doing from a recruiting standpoint their philosophy has changed somewhat in that they realize just as most most of your big time programs realize and i think Jimbo Fisher has done the best job of any coach in recent memory of of signing guys and intentionally recruiting kids that have length to them. Length uh, gives you the ability, and of course, when we talk about length, we're talking about you know height uh, and long arms and long limbs. Uh, basically, it makes up actually for speed, and also it gives you the ability to add more weight comfortably to kids without them losing speed. And so Sean Jennings is a kid that gives you the ability to to have one a six two a true six two safety that can play around two fifteen two twenty with good speed he's he's reportedly a great athlete can can run from sideline to sideline uh, or a kid that if he continues to grow naturally can be moved of course over to over to your to a will linebacker excuse me your Sam linebacker and and again play in the uh, and playing the same role of Keaton Anderson from, from, of course, from Alabama that they signed, from North Alabama that they signed last year in that in that type of role in terms of playing Sam linebacker or or it can be that Vinny Sinceri type of, of safety that brings physicality and also athleticism, too.
3: Another quick question for you. By the way, I, I believe we have just been joined by the, uh, the mouth reader himself, Rudy so Reggie, uh
2: Lord,
3: Drew. Reggie, uh, we have Drew Jarman with us live now too. And uh, Drew, we got Bama K, Reggie Willis on. Uh, go ahead and fire away. I'll give you a couple of questions.
0: Apparently, he's saying no audio. The Skype is eating his stuff again.
3: Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and keep. Us going. I'm here now,
0: guys. We
5: got it.
3: Okay. Well, uh, Drew, welcome on in. Glad to have you. We got Reggie Willis, aka Bama K, from PI live on with us. And uh, I'll just let you jump right in fire Hey, the Reggie, bar. how are are you, brother?
5: Just right into the fire, yep. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, Reggie. How are you, bud?
7: I'm I'm doing outstanding.
5: Nice. But yeah, sorry I'm late, guys. Had a commitment that took a little bit longer than anticipated, but uh, here now I'm glad to be with you.
7: Now you need to be careful when you use that term commitment. We're going to expect you to bring a name with you.
5: yeah i think michael jones michael jones kind of played some people tonight uh uh, he a lot of people thought he was going to jump in get his spot but he named a top four Uh, that's where the recruiting industry is unfortunately but
2: uh, yeah
5: i know he'll uh he'll have alabama you know down there till the end it'll be interesting to see Uh, from what i've been told i think they're going to take two more wide receivers and a couple of athletes that could project on either side of the ball but likely defense and I think Travone Diggs is a kid to watch. He could play on either side of the ball. He really impressed at the opening. And I know John Garcia has been on this show and was really impressed with him on both sides of the ball uh, at in Beaverton. And watch him, you know, watch Jones. And, you know, Cavan had a really good camp. Watch Cavan. But, uh, again, and then A.J. Brown. But, of course, we all know, as Reggie is very familiar with, the state of Mississippi. Yeah.
7: I understand. I understand. I know their preference, as we both know, would be A.J. Brown and Demetrius Robertson if they had their brothers in terms oh, of yeah, the Demetrius. Very class. good
5: point, Reggie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Matter of fact, Demetrius would be one of those two-way guys. But uh, right now, he wants to go to Stanford. Academics aren't quite there because everybody knows Stanford doesn't cut corners, doesn't yeah. uh, you know bend their requirements. If he doesn't get into Stanford, <laughs> Alabama's in really good shape. But regardless, uh, the, the three or four kids they add, at wide receiver slash db they're going to be elite kids and uh, they're in on a lot of good ones
7: yeah, exactly ask, one thing uh, one thing ahead i ahead. would like one thing i would like to relay is that stefan Diggs out of maryland is a private commit commitment to alabama at this point uh yeah and so yeah and so yes he's a kid that even though it's not public it has not been uh tweeted out as they do now uh you know he has told the staff that he's coming and and we see him as you said earlier as an athlete he could play the wide receiver and if you watch his film he's also m- probably in an even more dynamic corner
5: That's a great point by Reggie. I'm hearing the same thing via Diggs. The you know, one other thing that may keep him from uh, declaring right now too, he's got some academic work to do. Exactly. But uh you know it, but if, if if Calvin Ridley can qualify uh, you know, Darren Lake, uh, I can go down the list. This The kid's got a chance. He's at a very good academic institution. I think they're optimistic he can get his uh, academics in order, but, you know, he's still got some work to do, uh, as does B.J. Emmons.
7: Exactly, exactly. But I also look at the, the list of current commitments also, and one thing that that people are going to need to look at, one, you know, I I've, I've posted, you know, a, you know, publicly that we're going to take up to 27 guys. Uh, My understanding is that now that number has raised, it's been risen, has risen one to 28. So you're looking at 28 guys uh, being added to the roles and, and you've got some kids that I look at both with academic situations and also potential gray shirts that you may be looking at maybe three to four kids that are currently on our list that, 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 that may not be on, on signing on the on the signing day list.
3: Let's go ahead and get input from both of you guys. Uh, start with Reggie, and then Drew. Y'all go back to back on this. Tell us what we need to know about uh, this week's commitment from Tanner, Alabama, twenty seventeen athlete, Chadarius Townsend.
5: Well, I'll take it first, and then let Reggie add what what uh, his thoughts. But Chadarius Townsend, someone I got tipped off on, we were able to break the story with Rodney Orr. I have a very good friend named Justin Graves, who works for the Decatur Daily, who's very close. Uh, he, if you want to know anything about the high school football in Limestone County or Coleman County, he's the guy to go to. He called me about Chedarius, uh After his workout at Alabama, he'd been in communication with the family, uh, how much Chidarius had impressed Nick Saban working uh, uh, both at wide receiver and safety, especially at safety, and that he'd been verbally offered the family was heavily, you know, impressed and heavily leaning to Alabama, but kind of felt like they needed to visit Auburn, go to camp there. Also, Davo Sweeney had done a good job building a relationship. They felt like they needed to visit Clemson. Uh, they camped at Kentucky because Kentucky has been kind to Tanner High School. And But the whole time, I mean, he was considered a heavy Alabama lean. He's an electric athlete. Uh, obviously, there has been some academic uh, concerns from kids coming out of Tanner the last few years, but... With this young kid, another similar insight from uh, Justin was that uh, it's going to be different with this young guy. Uh, his dad is a cop and a probationary officer, does not put up with much tomfoolery, um, basically lets the young man go with a cell phone when he's out with friends, but he doesn't have a phone on him at all times. Uh, he kind of tries to control that. He's very strict, and uh, he had a very good 10th grade year at quarterback. Uh, I think he accumulated around 38 touchdowns. Uh, he he timed in the four fours at Alabama's camp, very good size. And he's a he he's a he, he compares very favorably from who the people I talked to that seen him on film uh, to our Darius Stewart. And uh, many uh including William Redfish Barger think he should be a uh, project on the offensive side of the ball, but he's right now being considered as a defensive back. But honestly, he's still got two years of high school. Uh you know, Darius was impressive on both sides of the ball. I think he's gonna project uh, easily could turn into a wide receiver before it's all said and done. But regardless, he's a high caliber athlete going into his junior year playing uh, for Leron White, former Tide uh, offensive lineman and one of the best small school programs uh, in the state of Alabama.
7: I mean, there's Rich,
3: you, your take on
7: you can't really really uh, add more than, than than what Drew did. Uh, he didn't. An excellent job really really uh, providing uh, great detail on that situation uh, I agree with him in terms of the kids of extremely athletic athletic He's selected with the football in his hands but he can play on e- either side of the ball the one thing that I've heard about the kid that really really stands out is that he's got great pad speed you've got a lot of kids that run great in shorts and and they look like uh, you know they're they're untouchable but it doesn't translate sometimes on the field. But if you watch his film, the kid runs away from people, and that's all you need to need to ask.
3: Continuing on the same topic, Reggie, uh, and you, that was great information from you a moment ago about the class will more likely to be 28. How how do you see things finishing out right now? As, as specific as you can be about the names we can look forward to commit between now and February
7: so oh, in in terms of how I see it finishing out it's it's right now they've got an incredible board uh in terms of in terms of the kids that they think they have a great opportunity to close with uh of course uh, going onto the going to the offensive side side of the ball uh, whoa uh, you've got an incredible an incredible grouping hold on one second i actually i'm actually going to my i'm actually going to my own list that i that i put together Well, let's just go off the top of my head i i can't find it when you look for something you you can't find it uh, on the offensive side of the ball of course you're looking at one more running back i think we still have a great shot at devin white who's been our number one running back our uh, prospect uh really for almost a year now uh he's a kid that's six four and a half excuse me six feet and a half about two hundred and fifty plus pounds. I won't even put an exact number because it seems to fluctuate with them. Uh but he, he wears his 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 you know, they said he's a faster Jerome Bettis. Let's put it that way. He's out of Louisiana, so of course that means you've got a battle with LSU and probably Ole Miss. And I think Arkansas thinks they think they've got to get shot also. I don't think no one knows for sure. My understanding is that they're Three different staffs right now that believe they're going to get them: Bama, LSU, and Ole Miss. And I, if, you had, if you ask Arkansas, which I don't have access to, uh, they'd probably carry the same thing. But he's the number one guy on our board at running back. I look for him to be really the big focus at that position going going down the stretch. I'm sure Bama will cover their bases and and have other options, but it's a lean year as we all know at the running back position. Uh, going to the office of line, of course, you've got Greg little out of, out of Tennessee, excuse me, out of Texas. Uh, Greg little, of course is the number one office of tackle and office of line prospect period, you know, in the entire nation. It's right now looking like an Alabama Ole Miss battle with, uh, the Alabama staff thinking that he's, he's pretty much as, as, as strong as he's going to get in terms of, uh, uh, but I would still, uh, you know, with Ole Miss being there and having to uh, replace Laramie Tonsil, uh, you, you've you got to keep your eye on them also. But he's the guy that will close out office of, office of line class. And in my opinion, probably give us the uh, – since I've been following recruiting, the best uh, the best tackle class, office of tackle class that I've ever seen. Uh, you've got to – You've got a one-and-done kid in Charles Baldwin at right tackle. You've got, of course, Jonas, uh, Jonah Williams out of California, who many believe is maybe a better prospect than Greg Little. And, of course, you've got Greg Little himself. At, at tight end, I'm still a little frustrated that it, they did not close out with an inline tight end, it looks like, for another year. I think they missed their guy last year with Jackson Harris, but that's for another day. Uh at, at wide receiver, of course, uh that's it's accurate in, in terms of what was, was said earlier by by Drew that we've got two more wide receivers that we're gonna take, with the preference being of course AJ Brown and Demetrius Robertson being one one A and one B. Uh of course with AJ Brown, you've got a kid that gives you physicalities. He's got mitts for hands, and he's 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 gonna be special for whoever he signs with. And at this point, Alabama thinks, thinks they probably leave for him. But as you've, as you've referenced earlier and as Drew's referenced, he's a Mississippi kid, so we know how that goes. Demetrius Robertson, uh, if he does not go to Stanford, I think Alabama would be his second option. I think Georgia fans are, are assuming that because he's an in-state kid and he did de- decommitted from Alabama, he's going to Georgia. But my understanding is that the kid does not want to go to Georgia. And he's told people that I know that personally, that he does not like Georgia, does not want to go to Georgia, and I think we've got a great shot there, especially since we've offered his his sister a basketball scholarship as, of course, Georgia and Auburn did early in the recruiting process. Uh, That covers the offensive side of the ball. Going to the defensive side of the ball, I don't see Rashawn Gary happening, but I think Alabama feels very good about the uh, defensive linemen that they have coming in potentially. They feel very good about Rashard Lawrence out of Louisiana, who LSU fans are assuming will stay home. But as of right now, Alabama thinks they got a solid lead, not just a slight lead, but a solid lead for him. And also, on the defensive line, I also look for Mikhail Carter out of here in Georgia. Uh, Mikhail Carter is a kid that from a, from a physical standpoint, if you, my understanding from people that have, have seen him in practice and at camps, he may be the most, from from just looking at him, the most physically mature of all defensive linemen that people have seen in camps all year in terms of having a very lean body and does not look like he's 310 pounds, which he is. He's six four and change, 310 pounds, and with very, very little baby fat. Uh, and the Alabama staff loves him. And, of course, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, who uh, our staff calls a bad bad man, is is what one staffer uh, referenced to mass. He's 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 good. He's very good. He's 6'3 and change, about 260 pounds, and he can play uh, two gap or he can come off the edge. He's a he's a kid that's going to help somebody. As of right now, we feel very confident about him. But again, he's a Mississippi kid. But people also have to remember he's in a part of Mississippi that borders the Alabama border, and actually the both Mississippi schools uh, have the least, the lowest amount of influence. Let's put it that way in terms of being able to keep him in state. But as of right now, Alabama privately leads for him. Those are going to be the main guys on the defensive line that I look for uh, coming down, coming down the stretch. I may be forgetting someone, but uh, Carter. Uh, Lawrence and Simmons are the three, are the three de- defensive linemen that I would be looking at going down the stretch in terms of our priorities. Uh, going into the linebacker position, uh, of course, uh, you've got Jackson out of, out of Texas. Uh, Dante Jackson is probably the best three-down linebacker in the nation. What I mean by that, he's essentially a more physically developed C.J. Mosley. He, he's great against the run, He's a tackling machine that gets to run, but he also can play in space. And he, he's a kid that can be a perfect quarterback for you. I fear as of right now, Texas probably has a slight lead for him, but it's very close. We've just got to get him on campus as many times as possible. And, and that's going to be the tip-off. How many Alabama games does he attend uh, going into, going into the, the critical December months? Will probably be the the key in terms of where he eventually lands because if we can get him on campus one or two more times before it's official, I think Alabama has a very good shot at him. Uh, at at outside an outside linebacker, uh, I really don't see the additional outside linebackers uh, in in this class. I may be forgetting someone, and and you guys can can definitely can, not having my list to look at it, it puts me in a disadvantage. But I would probably say we're probably we're pretty much done at outside linebacker, uh, except for of course the two studs in Alabama, of course, uh, uh, both Ben Davis and of of course Mac Wilson, who are two of the, the finest linebackers in the nation. Uh, they can play any of the four linebacker positions. But I look for Wilson to play uh, the well linebacker position, and I look for Davis to eventually grow into. Either a Mike linebacker and Mike linebacker, or potentially a Jack linebacker. I uh, I know missing out on on the kid that just committed to Clemson uh, was Xavier Kelly was probably a big hit for us because Kirby Smart, from my understanding, really really wanted an athletic uh, Jack linebacker, someone that could that could play three downs, but also be able to hold a point of attack, which is one of the reasons that Denzel Duvall still starts for us because he may not make a lot of plays. He can hold the point of attack probably as well as any, any uh, outside linebacker on, 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 the, on campus right now. Going into the secondary uh, again, we're probably looking at Stefan Diggs being a, a corner sunny and really watch out for uh, Nigel, Nigel warrior from here in at, Peachtree Peach Ridge High School here in Metro Atlanta. Uh, Nigel Warrior is, as you all know, he's the, the son of, of former Tennessee great Dale Carter. Very athletic, a smart football player. Uh, really, really is uh, a kid that's a winner. Uh, he plays for a winning program, one of the best programs here in the state of Georgia at Peachtree Ridge. Uh, right now, Alabama feels that it leads, and it actually does lead, uh, Tennessee and Georgia for services, but it's going to be a recruiting battle going down to the end. Uh, the benefit to signing him, whoever signs him, is that you're probably going to get his teammate and the number one DB in the nation for 2017, which, of course, is going to be D'Angelo Gibbs. And and they're going to the same school, from my understanding. So if you get, if you get Warrior, you get Gibbs next year. And Alabama feels good about their position with both kids right now, which of course would crush Georgia fans. Which of course would be uh, very, very, very merry to my heart. Uh, other than that, uh, that pretty much would would, would round out this class. You know, you you may add one or two guys that I'm not that that that's evading my mind right now, but if they can do what I just said, they, they can do, and and actually close this with even 80% of them. And they think they're in good position with each one that I just named, they're going to have another special class. And if maybe, uh, maybe rivaling any saving assigned, sign and that's saying something.
5: Yeah. I, I agree with Reggie pretty much wholeheartedly all his, all his picks. Um, uh... I just think right now, Rashawn Gary is the best player in the country, but he's going to go to Michigan. Uh, they've got four of his coaches on their staff there. Um, yeah. Alabama's done a good job with Mario Cristobal, but Rashawn, when push comes to shove, Auburn and Georgia are also right there, but he's going to go, he's going to be in the maize and blue uh, and yeah. stay up north. But uh, And then, you know, Nigel Knott is another corner to watch from uh, Germantown uh, in the Madison, Mississippi and Germantown High School. And, and I think he's someone that is very athletic, has tested well, but some people that I know, that I trust don't think he's as much of a playmaker. They think he's just a, a – that he has a chance to be a special guy, but he doesn't make as many plays as you think he should, whereas Nigel Warrior may not test as well, but is a better, pure football player and is instinctive. you got to love his bloodlines. Dale Carter was a great player at Tennessee, played a long time in the NFL. It would be huge to get him, and as Reggie said, it would put you in great uh, shape for D'Angelo Gibbs. But again, um, I think uh, not. Uh, he's only, he, Another thing with not—he's only really about five eight, five nine. I know he can. He has a forty-inch vertical, but he's a smaller corner. Uh, ultimately, I don't think that Alabama will end up signing him. But as we've already talked about, they still got a really good shot at Demetrius Robertson, who I think may very well end up on the defensive side of the ball. And as Reggie said, Travon Diggs, brother of Stefan Diggs could easily end up at corner. Uh, and I think, obviously, that would take care of the secondary needs. Uh, you know, Tremone is a, is a longer athletic kid uh, who, who I think has a lot of potential. Uh, ben Davis and, you know, Mac Wilson, there were some uh, recruiting services that didn't give them high marks for Oregon, but uh, John Garcia, who I trust implicitly as a pure talent evaluator, uh, thought that Ben was very, very good, looked very good out in space and was looked very athletic. He thought L- Liddell was very solid, so I trust John there, and I trust the, the coaches out. They've had those two guys near the top of the board forever. But I agree with Reggie. They can get Dontavius Jackson, who is basically taking E-Roll Thompson's spot. Uh, E-Roll from Florence is more than likely going to commit to Mississippi State tomorrow. A very good player. Love his film. He does have some academic questions, uh, so, but it looks like he will not be in the class for Alabama. But, to, if they, but Dontavious Jackson wowed them with a workout, uh, in mid-January and it, or excuse me mid-June and as Reggie said the key he was going to be slated to come back with some teammates to Alabama's July camp but was injured at the opening they need to get him back on campus because they really impressed him overall and that will be the key to trying to get him away from the Texas Longhorns and kind of get him out of there and then should the Greg Little situation go south uh, should he have tires for life um, I would say the two Texas kids are, are to, to watch are Kellen Deesh Who's currently committed to Arkansas, and who was who was a standout at Alabama's OLDL camp, and also a guy that uh, has decommitted from Oklahoma. John Delance from Mesquite, Texas, is also someone very interested to Alabama, and and they also want to be careful as well because they want to put themselves in very strong position, and are and are attempting to do so with 2017 offensive tackle from this area, Austin Troxel. but I do think they will sign three tackles. They need to uh, numbers-wise, and and I agree with Reggie 100%. If they sign Greg Little, and as of right now, I was told yesterday, they do believe they're going to get Greg Little, uh, It would be three first-round caliber talents as far as projecting down the road uh, because the coaching staff believes Charles Baldwin could be a one-and-done. And then... Uh, and then, and of course, I'm not, I, a lot of JUCOs are not, but they believe he's an elite talent. And then, as Reggie said, Jonah Williams is considered uh, one of the, because he doesn't go to camps and combines, he doesn't do interviews, he's not media friendly. So he's not going to get a lot of love from the rankings, but when you watch his film, he could be as good or better than Greg Whittle. So he will enroll early, and then you have Greg Whittle, who many people believe was very impressive out in Oregon and is the number one offensive tackle in the country. It would, in my opinion, I agree with Reggie, be the top offensive tackle class signed in by one school ever. And it would be, I think, the most talented at offensive line as far as depth goes in the history of the program. That's saying a lot with that 2012 line that was so good. But I'm just talking about depth. It would be stacked like cordwood, as one staffer told a good friend of mine recently. And uh, there's no doubt about that. It'll be a good problem to have. A lot of guys fighting for playing time should lead to a very good offensive line. And one more name I will add, you know, Reggie talked about uh, the tight end position. Isaac Notta did decommit uh, from the uh, Florida State Seminoles. He's likely headed uh, to Georgia. But there's a kid that, in my opinion, if you watch down the line, kids always emerge. We helped break this guy on tighter Insider. I had a very good source uh, help me, with, uh, put me in touch with this kid. But watch Blake Williams of Mustang, Oklahoma. If you look at him, he's already bigger than uh, uh, Brendan Scales. Really, he measured six three and three quarters, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds at Alabama's last camp. He camped on Wednesday uh, during SEC media days. Ran a four seven. He's run a four five eight at North Carolina's camp. He earned an offer there. He earned an offer at Oklahoma State. Kansas State is very interested. Arkansas. He's someone uh, that uh, did not play the last two years, so there's no film. Uh, he had a nerve disorder and uh, he, he, he missed his uh, 2014 uh, 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 season and the 2013 season. 2013, he was bedridden. 2014, did not have the stamina to be able to play, but now he's back on the field. They've been able to get him treatment, and uh, he's someone Coach Saban was very impressed with. He ran a very, very, very impressive uh, 4-1 shuttle time at Alabama's camp, and if he does a good job the first month of the season back on the field in Mustang, I think he, should, he would get offered and someone like Mr. Scales might disappear because I think this kid's an elite athlete and he could be uh, someone like Matt Womack who basically earned an offer through his play last year and has been very impressive uh, to Mario Cristobal thus far in early workouts uh, before fall camp.
3: Reggie, I yeah. want to ask you about four guys that didn't get named yet tonight. and uh, they're, they're guys that Alabama is recruiting but may or may not be part of the class, okay? So we'll take them one at a time, rapid fire. Tight end, Nick, you,
7: No.
3: Okay. Running back, Elijah Holyfield. Doubtful. Probably Georgia?
7: Yes, probably Georgia.
3: Mar- Georgia,
7: Auburn, Auburn's, they- Auburn's close. Uh, Auburn, Auburn and Tennessee are, are close. It's a... Uh, it, it, it's it's tight. Bama's in there, but I just don't like our chances right now.
3: Marlon Davidson.
7: Marlon Davidson. As long as his brother works for Auburn, you know, I, I still I, anything can happen. And and of course, uh, Rashawn Evans, you know, taught us a lot uh, that anything is overcomable. But uh, you know, Auburn is not paying paying his brother for for nothing.
3: Final one for me
7: that I want to ask you about Kevin Ridley. Kevin Ridley, uh, it, that will that will be ominous about AJ Brown, and it, it, AJ Brown would have to fall through in my opinion for Ridley to, to be on, you know, on the signing list.
3: Well, AJ Brown's on my list of players to see play this fall. I've got a trip to Starkville well, to see him go against uh, a, a 17 kid who's an excellent running back, plays quarterback for his high school by the name of Cam Akers in Clinton, Mississippi. So Clinton is coming to Starkville this fall, and I'm going to be there. It's uh, a final regular season game in Mississippi, so I'll miss the first round of the outbound playoffs, but that game is worth covering for me. But, I, Drew, I want you to have a chance to ask Reggie a few more things.
2: Oh, well, you know, I just
5: wanted to uh, – my observation is, I, I've, I've been under the impression up until the last camp that I didn't think Kevin Ridley would be in the class, but because of the way he performed, uh, because uh, the high level of the high-level athlete that his brother is, and the last Kavit, because of Jerry Judy, who's a 2017 yeah. wide receiver yeah. defensive back, who I'm going to go I'm, I'm on the other side of the coin. Uh, William Barger thinks Judy is a five-star wide receiver. A very, very good talent evaluator that is not is not on the Alabama or Auburn side. Doesn't cover the state of Alabama, but is but uh, covers high school football and is out in the Midwest, in Big Twelve country. Believes Judy is a shut down corner, and I do too. After watching tape, I think he will be a big time defensive back at Alabama. But uh, to sure. get Jerry Judy, I think Kevin Ridley ends up in the class. Um yeah. I would not be surprised if A.J. Brown still does Mike or Michael Jones. It may be a, a, a fact of either or who they can get committed first. But as Reggie yeah. and I have said, the only thing with, with A.J. Brown is, okay, baseball is a small part, but the biggest thing is the state of Mississippi. Yeah. And, and yeah. so we will see, see there. But uh, it, it, I, I, and I'm like Reggie. If push came to shove, I think Alabama would take uh, A.J. Brown over Jones. He's a bigger kid. Uh, They would take Kevin Ridley, and the the bottom line is um, that's about – and then the other guy, Elijah Holyfield, he's going to commit September the 4th. I don't think Alabama's ultimately going to take him because of Devin White, and we haven't really talked about it. Y'all probably covered it before I got here, but Jordan Stevenson goes to Nebraska – He never visits Alabama, and I think that was because of the fact if you take a second running back right before signing or right before fall camp right now in this 2015 class, it could cost you Devin White. And Devin White, he he did not play running back in Oregon, but he still timed, and and from what John Garcia told me, that he was a little out of shape, but he still runs under a 4.5 at 4.49, and he still, (laughs) on film, is a beast. And when somebody is in Nick Saban's car at A-Day,
7: they're very, yeah. very
5: high on the totem pole, <laughs> and I think they're going to ride it out with Devin White. And I just—that's that, what I believe. And the other two young guys that you—I don't think Eubanks will be in the class, despite his brother Kobe uh, being on the basketball team in August. I, because well, it, well, let me have this debate. He could be, but it's going to depend on what Blake Williams does. Because I think Blake Williams—I I received a text message during SEC media days from uh, the, the, the uh, source that put me on to Blake, from his mother, from the indoor facility running that 4-1 shuttle, they made, they wanted they, they told him to stay so when Sabin got back from his media obligations he could watch the kid work out. So I just think that they really like that young man. I think he's someone to watch. And, and again, uh, we will see. But I, just, I, I agreed with uh, Reggie's other takes on that situation. But I just really think, as of right now, but with wide receiver, it's so fluid – I think Calvin Ridley would probably be in the class because of how he performed at camp and because and of Jerry Judy.
7: Judy. Exactly, exactly, and 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 you made made some great points there, Drew. And and I've heard about Judy also. And of course, as we both know, uh, you know, they they all have the same guardian, and so having all three kids, you know, along with with Calvin, you know, at, at Bama would 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 be a no brainer. And and so uh, you can go wrong you couldn't go wrong at all.
3: Well, that's no. it for me. Drew, have you got anything else for Reg? Uh,
5: not really. I mean, I I think he did a great job of covering the targets, but I will say this. I'm I, the, With Marlon Davidson, the key is going to be, and, you know, I, it looks like Paul Camp speaks in the start, so it doesn't look like he's going back to Carver. If he had gone back to Carver, you might have seen him end up at Alabama, but I believe being at Greenville with his brother at Auburn, it's going to be tough to get him. But yeah. luckily, this is the year of the defensive lineman in the southeast and in the country, and especially uh, in the state of Georgia. Mikael Carter's a very good player. I think Alabama has a very good shot at him. I agree with Reggie on Richard Lawrence. They will get – and don't forget uh, the, the, the young the young kid – uh, that uh, Freddie Kirby, another uh, very respected uh, ta- a talent evaluator, uh, really really likes. He was uh, t- he was telling me he watched his film and he believed that the young guy was uh, was as good as any defensive tackle that he saw on film. Said basically uh, he reminds me of a uh, uh, of a uh, of another Marcel Darius, and uh, that was a uh, the, the Dexter Lawrence from uh, North Carolina. Watch him. Uh, from Wake yeah. Forest, North Carolina, he's a big time kid, around 330 pounds. Uh, so they've got a lot of defensive linemen that they're in on, uh, even without Rashawn Gary likely, you know, going to Michigan. Uh, and even sure. if they lose uh, uh, someone uh, like Marlon Davis, and they're still going to sign as good an OLDL class on both sides yeah. of the ball, as you see. And if they could, yeah. if, if this kid pans out, this this uh the, uh, the Blake Williams. And uh, they find a the big-time tight end, the Hunter Henry type uh, that they've missed on. And I know, you know, I'm, I still am irritated a little bit by Jackson Harris, but I'm more irritated by Hunter Henry huh, because that yeah. guy's a freak. I think he's the best tight end in college football. But, I again, I think they're going to sign a, a very, very good class. because, And i got to tell you guys, to show you how good the class is around here or uh, in the southeast and how deep the prospect pool is, Alabama's passed on some really good players like P.J. Blue, who's going to South Carolina. I think it's an underrated kid. They passed on uh, Moon, who's going to the Hooper linebacker, Jeremiah Moon, who's going to Florida. So they've passed on some really good guys. LaMichael P. Ryan, who looks like he will be a Florida Gator at running back. So there's a lot of talented kids around here, even in the state of Alabama. But as Reggie said, uh, there's, some, there, there's so many good players that Alabama's in on. I still think they've got a chance to have yet another number one class. But if not, it's a lock for the top three. And two more Mississippi kids to keep an eye on. It, but they, I think they're down the totem pole a little bit they're still very good players uh that they they they'll still keep recruiting or Kobe Jones and Benito Jones but I don't anticipate either one of them being in the class because I think they're going to get kids higher on their board exactly
7: and I know Benito Jones as well remember uh had committed to Alabama and then it seemed like in in the blink of an eye he committed and committed to Ole Miss uh of course uh showing you he went it, to the square you know the the pie exactly the power of, 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 the in-state in-state schools in Mississippi. Uh, his, his dad had told someone that, that I know that, that don't worry about it. He was going to Alabama, but after the kid canceled at least two visits, unofficial visits, visits to Alabama, I think our staff is pretty much, uh, moving in a different direction, but I knew we loved them early on at least. But I think if we can get Simmons out of Mississippi, I think w- we could care less about losing Benito Jones. Uh, and, and you know, I agree more, also- Excuse go me. Go ahead,
5: Reggie, go ahead, I'm sorry.
7: Yeah, and I was just gonna say, I agree also with uh, Drew about uh, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, we made up a lot of ground on his visit uh, and opened his eyes on a lot of aspects of Alabama, both academically and also how the program works. and And, and we think we're in it. Uh, I didn't include him because numbers, uh, you know, we'd make room for him, but but it's it's going to be a tough pull uh, closing on him going down the stretch. But there's a lot a long ways long ways to go, and and I think the kid is definitely in play. Uh, one current commitment uh, that that I'm really keeping my own personally is Raquan Davis out of Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, if we're going to get anyone out of Mississippi, you would think it'll be out of Meridian, of course, the home of Derek McKee. Uh, but, uh, of course, the uh, Mississippi schools uh, with C.J. Hampton, of course, uh, signing with Ole Miss a couple of years ago to free safety. And, and of course, Mississippi State having an even stronger pull out of in the Meridian area. It's going to be a war. And LSU people uh, are – are gaining gaining more and more confidence that they're right in it also. Uh and of course he just recently visited LSU and, and I and I'm someone that likes to uh to, to dabble over to, to rival sites to to see what's going on and getting their perspective. And one thing that was pointed out uh, from uh their top people is that is that Orgeron spent uh you know more one on one time with Raekwon Davis than anyone and he was the most impressive prospect Overall, in their entire camp, their last camp that they recently had, and he's a kid that uh would really really bother me you know to lose if and I know how recruiting works you you know you flip a kid and you are a kid that's just how it works, but he's a kid that came into came into our camp last year as as a kid that even his own high school staff did not have confidence in because he had never made any plays, right. you know, in any live right. games. And, and, Correct. but, uh, you know, Bo Davis, uh, saw his potential, uh, and, and basically helped coach him up and, and we offered him early he got on him, got on him first and he committed to Alabama, but he's blown up now and it can go anywhere in the country. And he's a kid that can play on either side of the ball. And he's a kid that runs well. I think one, one, complaint you hear about him is that well at six seven what about his pad level and that's true you know maintaining pad level at that height is going to be a challenge for him if he wants to stay on that side of the ball but the kid can run he runs well legitimately runs well and is very fluid and and he carries his weight you know perfectly probably the best physical specimen that we've had at Bama, we wouldn't have had at Bama since with Michael Fanning, in my opinion, just a beast in terms of his, 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 of his physique. And it would be a shame if we lost him. Uh, and I think right now uh, we feel good about him. He's telling Bo Davis he's coming, don't worry, coach. But he tells everybody else, I'm, I'm open game. So he's a kid that's talking out of both sides of his mouth. The question is, you know, who can you trust? And we'll see what happens there. If we lost him, personally for me, uh, you know, it would be a big blow because he's a kid, again, that even his high school staff was shocked that we offered because he had never made a play on the field. But he's a kid that now everybody wants. And, And quite frankly, when you think about it, if a kid has not produced on the field, why is he being offered to some of the top camps in the country? It's because he's an Alabama commitment and that shows you the power of Alabama also. And the Alabama commitment has opened a lot of doors for that kid, and I'm hoping that he's just playing the game and enjoying himself but doesn't remember who brought him there.
5: Well, and I've got one more thing to add, and uh, it's be it for me, but it's a very good nugget I think everyone will enjoy. But when uh, Quinnen Williams came to Alabama's camp for the three days in June, and, of course, he ended up flipping from Auburn, he was uh, so good in the workouts that Bo Davis told said in a staff meeting that Rashawn Gary was still the number one target you know, as far as defensive line, but he, a very, very close second of kids he's evaluated in person and on film had been Quentin Williams and the way he'd improved he continued to get better. So Quentin Williams is almost as highly thought of as – a guy like Rashawn Gary to the out to, to Bo Davis and the Alabama staff. So, uh, just I uh, know he's his. his uh, there wasn't a lot, a ton of excitement about his flip, but it was a major coup. It was somebody, Lance Thompson, tried to hide from Alabama, uh, and they were able to flip a lifelong Auburn fan. And he's a solid commitment right now. Uh, they don't really have anything to worry about, and he's a kid whose best football is still in front of him. So, just be encouraged by that, and just know that Bo Davis has done work since he got here, and. Like uh, Reggie said, hopefully they can hold on to Raekwon. He's as impressive looking a kid as you're ever gonna see. Six foot seven, six eight, you know, three fifteen. Was dominant in Oregon. I still think he'll probably end up being a right tackle eventually. Uh, he kind of reminds me he's on the same kind of career arc as DJ Pluker, But again, yep. I think he's a, regardless. He, he has a chance whether it's offense or defense to be a dominant talent. Uh, if he's on defense, another guy you compare him to who was dominant, who was a thorn in Alabama's side is John Henderson from Tennessee. Uh, but just kind of just watch that kid. But Alabama is going to do everything they can to hold on to him. And with Quentin and Williams and some of the kids they already have committed in this class, uh, it's off to a great start. But as we Reggie and I have covered tonight, with who's left on the board and who's on who Alabama thinks they can get, it's going to be another fun signing day in uh, February of 2016, no question.
7: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know you've heard the same thing, Drew. Uh, I know our staff believes that if we can close with – who we think we're closing with, uh, with a more seasoned quarterback going into 20, 2016, we think we're getting ready to go on another two to three year run of dominance.
5: Yeah, the the one I'll give the last quote from me, and this will end it for me tonight. A staff member recently told a great friend of mine if we don't win two more national championships by 2019, we should all be fired.
3: R- Reggie, let me leave you with a comment I got from a, a co-worker of mine who's a member of the First and Ten Club, and he had uh, dinner the other night down at the Zone, and Scott Cochran pulled my co-worker aside and said, uh, as only Scott Cochran can say, let me tell you something, I know a lot of people worried. We're going to
6: be just fine this year.
3: So when Scott Cochran tells a booster that, a guy in the First and Ten Club, that makes me feel really, really good. Uh, I feel like that the front seven this year is as good as we've had at Alabama and many a moon. I feel like the secondary will come around, and I feel like we will find a quarterback. I still think it's Copa, but I feel like we will find a quarterback and, and be just fine when it's all said and done. I think that uh, poll that came out today was 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 fairly accurate. Uh, but, Reggie, I want to take this time just to, to to thank you for joining us tonight. We didn't mean to keep you for a full hour, but you really brought it tonight, as you always do. And we hope, Reggie, you'll consider a, becoming a regular guest with us here on Band's Radio.
7: I'd be I'd be happy to. I've enjoyed myself also, and and as you all all of you guys know, I just love talking about my football maybe too much, and and it's been enjoyable also, and I look forward to it. Yeah, thank all you, right. Reggie. Really appreciate
5: it. Great stuff, man.
3: All right, that's uh, Reggie Willis. Uh, you know him on Tyler Insider as Bama K, uh, one of my longtime friends. And uh, before I let y'all go, I'll pass along the story. I didn't want to do this while he was on the air. But <laughs> To tell you how long Reggie's been following recruiting, and, and me too. Uh, Reggie and Rodney Orr were friends in the dorm back in Alabama. They go back; their friendship goes back to the '80s. And uh, at the time, Alabama and uh, and uh, it was uh, late coach, actually early coach Perkins, were recruiting a lineman from Florida by the name of John Morgan. And <laughs> Alabama ended up signing John, but Reggie uh, came to Rodney and said, "Hey." Have you heard about this guy, Morgan, we're recruiting? And Rodney said, Morgan? Who is Morgan. And, and, and Reggie said, I just talked to Curtin there. We're recruiting a guy named Fru, Fru Morgan. But that turned out to be his last name. Reggie kind of split it up into a first and a last. But didn't want to tell that one lays on there. But that was that was really good stuff. And Drew, I'm glad you're able to join us because that really made it the segment better. That, that last 30, 40 minutes of this show tonight was, was as good a recruiting uh, and personnel Alabama talk as you'll ever hear on any show and I'm not bragging, I just I just kind of sat back in awe and listened to y'all go. And uh, This has been a long show for us. We're two hours and probably 32 minutes in. We had a little bit of technical difficulty at the very beginning, but uh, we got on about four after. Uh, but Drew, I'm glad you were able to join us. And Thomas, uh, thanks for helping me out while we waited on Drew. And I do want to thank Reggie Willis for joining us, Bam McKay. And also, our number one, thank Luke Robinson for the input he gave, and of course Big C. Drew, I I, I don't know if you'll have a chance or not, but if you want to go back and listen to the the Big C segment, it was uh, (laughs) people were walking up to him. He was at a church function in Montgomery, and he was just walking out, and he had heard speeches tonight from Reese Davis, Gene Stallings, and Jay Jacobs. While Big C was walking out talking to us, people kept coming up to him wanting to talk to him, and it was Kind of weird. Thomas had to put him on hold a couple of times, but <laughs> finally we got him back on. And some guy with an Auburn hat walked up to him wanting his autograph. So the big C segment tonight was absolute radio gold. I know it well, kind of took Thomas off a little bit, but it was really really fun.
0: Yeah, it, there was a deal told. That's all I'm gonna say.
3: Uh, it sounds
5: like it, uh, but I will say, guys, I hope you. I know we they talked. We talked to AB at the beginning of the segment, but Garrett Tucker had a lot of good stuff. Uh, from Alabama Basketball, and I know you probably already talked about it, Kerry, but I'll reiterate it to the listeners. I did find out from Garrett later on that night after the segment, the information you're hearing is true from Adam Lowe of Devils Illustrated. Uh, Alabama has a very, very strong chance to add Terrence Ferguson from the Dallas, Texas area, a top ten national recruit. They did not get Josh Langford, but they could end up with another five-star kid. You had you signed two more high caliber players, and with the way this staff is recruiting, which is a lot better than the previous guys that are all unemployed, thank goodness. Uh, besides Antoine Pettway, uh, there's no doubt in my mind Alabama basketball is going to turn around very, very quickly. And as Avery Johnson would say, "Buckle up!" It's going to be a fun time uh, to now transition from football to basketball, and there will be no more dread or Coleman Mausoleum.
3: That's that's for sure, and. uh we did actually after the segment with Garrett was over, we did actually talk about some of the guys that are coming into the big man camp this weekend. Uh, right. Romello White, the 16 guy from Florida, and a couple of 17 guys, Garrison Brooks of Auburn and Daven Smith. Of Clinton. So, there are some big men being recruited, despite the fact that they're never mentioned on Twitter.
2: So <laughs> anyway,
3: uh, we're about to close out this is a very long edition of Planets Radio. I'm gonna call it 40 But uh, Ford Drew Jarman of ESPN. 9 for 4 time as a watch so down on Batman Magazine. I'm Kerry Clark from Mag.com. Thank you, and good night, and thanks for listening to Batman. Roll
5: Tide.